we want to welcome you to our Bible study for 5-7, or 5-6, I'm sorry, 07. And again, we're going to get in some recurrent events today. We're going to be talking a lot today about, again, the Middle East crisis that we're dealing with currently, how that could relate to spawning World War III, the Islamic Jewish problem that we have over there right now, coupled with the American element. And I wanted to read for you a, this is from the Jerusalem Post, and it's entitled, Top Official, Top Hamas Official Says Kill All Americans. This was just posted May 1st, 2007. Now, you have to understand that in America, yes, we're told about the terrorists and things of this nature, but we're really not told the full story on Islam. We're not told what the Quran actually tells somebody who is Islamic to do. And what that is, is that they are instructed in the Quran, in many places, and I've quoted these verses before, and if you have any doubt, just email me. Uh, you, can, uh, you can find my email address on the sermons.com, or I'll just go ahead and give it to you here. It's D-R-J-O-H-N-S-O-N at the letter I, the letter X, dot netcom, dot com. You can just email me there. And I'll get you all the quotes from the Quran, you know, book, chapter, verse, the whole nine yards, where it says it in several places that we, that the Islamic people are instructed to slay all infidels. What an infidel is, is, is an unbeliever in Islam. So that would mean anybody who is not Islamic. They are instructed to either convert or slay. That's it. That's their calling. So, when... When I hear about these things about, oh, we're going to have some kind of peace talks with the Jews and the, and, and the Islamic people, and I hear about the Jews giving up more and more of their land to them, it, it's grievous because there, there, there can be no peace between Islam and any other religion, really, if the truth be known. But the ones they really want to focus on, particularly the Jews and then the Americans in, in hot, in, you know, second place... <laughs> Those are the two that they really want to uh, get rid of the most. And it's the problem is, is we're not shown this on the nightly news. Yes, they, they show you the images of the, of the terrorists and all the fear and that, these types of things that that invokes. But we're not told what that religion is truly all about. To quote this article, it says, Sheikh Ahmad Bars, acting speaker of the Palestinian Legislative Council, declared during a Friday sermon at the Sudan Mosque that America and Israel will be annihilated and called upon Allah to kill Jews and Americans to, quote, the very last one, end of quote. So this is what we're dealing with here. Kill them to the very last one. Following are excerpts from the sermon that took place last month. Now, this is the quoting this Ahmad Bar, and he says, quote, you will be victorious on the face of this planet. Now he's speaking to his people, these, these um, uh, Islamics. You are the masters of the world on the face of this planet. Yes, the Quran says that. You will be victorious, but only if you are believers. Allah willing. Instead of, see, they saying God willing, they say Allah. See, Allah is just the moon God. He's not God the Father. He's not like President Bush says now that they're the same thing. Or a lot of the people, the Catholics we're going to see, they're saying the same thing now too. The Pope's declared that, that Allah, Father God, are the same thing. Now, why would they be doing this? 
Well, because we know in the Bible that there's going to be a one-world political system, one-world religious system, one-world currency, one-world economy. In order to have that, we have to have the melding of all religions. It has to happen. And that's just not going to happen overnight. In fact, it's been a slippery slope really since the... I'd say at the end of the 1800s we've been really moving toward this. It's just now we're kind of at a fever pitch. So, going on with this, he says, You will be victorious while American Israel will be annihilated. I guarantee you that the power of belief and faith is greater than the power of American Israel. They are cowards who are eager for life. That's, that's what they're referring to the Jews and Americans. Cowards who are eager for life. And then he says, while we are eager for death for the sake of Allah. See, Allah requires you die. In, I mean, that's, that's the highest calling. Now, I'm not saying there's, there's, there's not been a lot of martyrs for Christianity. But Jesus never went around and said, okay, slay the unbelievers, kill them, and this is how we need to convert people. This is how we need to, to bring people into the kingdom. Okay? Whereas this Allah, this moon god, this devil, which is all he is, is basically telling them that, you know, you've got to, in order to really achieve the highest blessing, you need to be martyred for the sake of Allah. And the more infidels you take with you, meaning unbelievers in Islam, the greater your reward will be in paradise. Particularly, the men are instructed to do this because they believe when they go to paradise that they will be in the presence of like I don't know, was it like ninety nine virgins and and all of the all of the hash that they can smoke and all of the things. Now you'd say, what do you mean all the hash they can smoke? Well, that's how the Islamic religion, one of the main tenets of the Islamic religion, is because they believe that they will when when they die they will go to paradise. Well, where did that get started? There was a man, and I'm just going to go into this briefly, but there was a man um, that was very, very high up in this a long time ago, and he recruited assassins for, for Islam. And how he did it is um, he would, I believe his name was, it's had something, his name actually had something to do with hashish was actually part of his name. And this is where we get the word hashish from. Okay, What he would do is he would bring in one of his recruits and he would get them just unbelievably high on hashish. Now if you don't know what hashish is, it's like a very, very, very potent form of marijuana. And what he would end up doing is he would dip them into this total stupor and they would pass out. And when they would wake up, they would be in this beautiful setting in this unbelievable house with all of these women. And they could basically do whatever they wanted. They had, they could eat pork. They could do whatever they wanted. He actually had pork there to eat. Now that's that's against the Islamic tenets. And this really did happen. And, and again, if you don't believe me on this, please email me, and I'll get you the information on this as well. And what would end up happening is, is they would he would give them like one night of everything they ever dreamed of. Okay, that they couldn't do in the, in the Islamic religion. And then when they would wake up, the man would be standing there. That, that was recruiting him, this hashish guy, and he would say, I can give you all of this, but the, the, but the only way you're ever going to experience this again is if you die for Allah. Now, they already had that in their head, and it was real. And they had passed out, and it wasn't like, you know, they were, they were in like a stupor anyway from this hashish. So what would end up happening is, they, he had this unbelievably 
dedicated group of assassins that would go and do his bidding. And he, and he infiltrated these assassins in a lot of different places. And kings and stuff that would come against this particular man, what would end up happening is, is the kings would threaten this man, this man that had recruited these assassins, he would say, you don't want to do this because I've got people even within your band that would kill you. There was a story of one king that threatened this man and he said, he says, oh no, all my subjects are loyal. And when this king woke up the next morning, he had like eight daggers around his head. Different daggers of different men who were actually loyal to the other guy. So he had infiltrated everything. This is one of the main tenets of Islam. That's why I said all that to say that. This is one of the main tenets of Islam. This is the reason why they don't have a problem you know, strapping a bomb on their back and running into some place. And, and blowing themselves up and everybody else. Because they believe this is their reward. So, you have to understand where they're coming from. It's a self-centered motivation, really, the reality is. It's a totally carnal, self-centered motivation. What kind of God would tell you to go around and kill other people in order so that you could secure a blessing in heaven? What kind of devil would do something like that? But these people are some of the most deceived people on the planet. I've seen some videos on the way they bring up their kids, and it is absolutely unbelievably horrific. They instill hate in those little children from really almost in the womb. From an infant, they will play things in their bedrooms and, or in, and where, where the babies are and things like that and, and, and speak to them in such a way where hate and hate and hate of any infidel is instilled in them and actually they also instill the whole thing, especially if they're a boy, of dying for Allah, being a martyr, and going to paradise. It's even in their cartoons. I've seen cartoons where and little kids shows where they have the, this Disney background. All these kids are singing about how we're, we're going to die for Allah and he's going to come back and slay the... This, is really, this really goes on. So you have to understand where they're coming from. Most people can't conceive of this, and they think that something like I would be saying wouldn't be the truth. And again, please email me if you have doubts on this, because I'll load your boat on this. Uh, and it's not me loading the boat, it's just documented, verified evidence. So, um... And then he goes on to say, this is more quotes from this guy, he says, The Hamas spokesman concluded with a prayer saying, O Allah, vanquish the Jews and their supporters. O Allah, count their number and kill them all, down to the very last one. O Allah, show them a day of darkness. O Allah, who sent his book down, the movers of the clouds, who defeated the enemies of the prophet, defeat the Jews and the Americans and bring us victory over them. Now that's their motivation. Okay, now, I, I, and again, I say all that not only to document the, the evil that's going on there, but also for us to understand this whole Middle East thing right now. We've, we've talked about this in weeks past, and we talked about it where the emergence of World War III connected with possibly World War III, most likely scenario, having something to do with Iran at this point. And again, you can, you can listen to those messages in week past. Last week we talked about Lord Maitreya, these ascended masters and these types of things. And how that could relate to the, to the emergence of the Antichrist in World War III. Now, all of this ties together. Every bit of what we're going into segues and ties together. And that's why I keep going over this over and over again from different angles. Because I believe this is going to be upon us very soon. This is going to be something that we're going to be dealing with firsthand because trust me, if World War III happens, we're all going to be greatly affected by World War III. And um, 
it's upon us. It really is. Now, the next thing that I wanted to go through, and this is another article from a totally different source. This is from Israel, Israel National News, and it says, Dome of the Rock, target of Muslim extremists. Now, the Dome of the Rock is the third most holy site in the Muslim Islamic religion. And it is on the Temple Mount, which is where the original temple was built, Solomon. Now, obviously there's a lot of contention because we have the this Dome of the Rock. And if you ever see pictures of Jerusalem, you'll always see it prominently placed. It has the gold domed roof and it has that is that kind of the Islamic architecture to it. Well, for the Jews, that's a total abomination. And for the Islamic people, since they believe it's the third most holy site in, in um, their religion, Mecca being the first, I believe Mecca's the first, uh, the Islamic people view any attempt to build anything as a threat to their religion. This Dome of the Rock is, a, is one other piece of the puzzle that is probably going to spark World War III. I've, I've felt this way for a long time. And if it doesn't spark it initially, it will sometime into it. It will be one other piece of the puzzle that will fall into place. And just listen to this story. So this story goes on to say, con Concern has been raised in Israel that Islamic terrorists such as Hamas or Al-Qaeda may target the Muslim shrine of the Dome of the Rock, or also known as the Al-Qasqa Mosque both of which sit atop, oh, actually, I'm sorry, the Dome of the Rock or Al-Qasqa Mosque, both of which sit atop the site of the Jewish Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The Islamic terrorists would then blame Israel to arouse Muslim anger in order to trigger a war in the Middle East. See, the, the Islamic people want a war in the Middle East. You've got to understand. They believe that Allah, that really the 12th Imandi, this Amandi Mahandi, that guy that, that we talked about last week, they believe that he's coming back. But they believe he's only going to come back through much bloodshed. So, see, they're looking for an excuse to go to war. They really are. I mean, just evidence all of the, all of the fighting back and forth, you know, that, that we see going on over there. And then it says in this article, the subsequent loss of Muslim lives. Now, this is if the Muslims were to trigger a war. And they're openly admitting this now. The, the subsequent loss of, loss of Muslim lives is of little concern to them. On the contrary, they even think that this is the best way to get their fellow Muslims into paradise. Now, this is what we just talked about. By making them shuhada, which is plural for a martyr for Islam. We have already seen Shiite and Sunni Muslims target each other's mosques for demolition and that both use their so-called shrines for storage of weapons, explosives, and safe houses for their terrorists. They do, however, expect Americans and Israelis to respect the self-proclaimed sanctity of their mosques and shrines. See, what they do, anything goes with what they do. They can do whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. They can go on the streets like they did in London. I, I've got, in fact, I've got the pictures. Email me if you want to see this picture of this march in London recently, where they've got all these pictures of that. You know, Allah will slay all infidels and kill all the infidels and and um, all these all these things that they they had on these signs. If a Christian tried to march with those the, with those same type of signs, there would be such a public outcry from every single faction of society that we would probably who knows what would happen. But they can do it all day long. That's okay. 
It's like the Jews wanting to, sh- or, or it's like the um, the gays wanting to shove down all their morality down our throats. That's all right. It's no different for the Muslims. Why would that be? Well, if you were the devil and you were the prince and the power of the air, you would want the most evil factions in place to be pawns in the new world order. And he's going to use the the pro-gay movement, the Islamic movement, the Catholics, people like this in a very, very mighty way in the times to come. They have a lot of power. Because the bigger they are, the more power they, they typically can wield. And so this is what ends up happening. But, but of all those groups, I would say the Muslims are the most hypocritical and the worst about what they say and what they stand for and, and everything else. So this goes on to say, Suspicions were raised in light of the frenzied reaction to Israel repairing a crumbling, earthquake-damaged earthen ramp that leads up to the site of the Temple Mount. Now, the uh, Muslims were all up in arms over this. They were repairing this ramp. Why? They were repairing a ramp. Well, the Muslim leaders tried to in, uh, Muslim leaders tried to assert that the Dome of the Rock and the Al-Aqasqa Mosque were endangered by these repair measures, or rather ridiculous, a rather ridiculous claim. It was also thought Muslim terrorists were planning to collapse the shaky ramp on top of Jerusalem, Jewish worshippers at the Western Wall. They may have intended to, to, to do this as an excuse to permanently close the Mugaharabi Gate. Sorry, I'm not really... Now that's, that's a gate, the only gate up to the mount open to non-Muslims to the temple and, and also to the temple mount so that no infidels or Muslims could enter so see they have this hidden agenda in light of this it's clear why Muslim leaders always opposed any infrastructure improvements in the area with the, with the anarchist agenda they want people to get hurt and are happy to help the process along if it benefits their religious war against the Jews Christians and all other Muslim infidels whom they must kill See, now, they write in the Islamic, in, in a Jewish thing, this is IsraelNationalNews.com. Now, again, don't, don't get me wrong, I don't think that, that Israel is, is um, right now, obviously, following Christ. They're not. Okay? Do I think the emphasis is going to be going back to them soon, when the tribulation hits? Yes, I do. But they've got to get saved the same way we do. They don't have a get-out-of-jail-free card pass. Okay? Like a lot of these pastors, like John Hagee says. Okay, and I pre- we, we've done teachings on him as well. But see, in their writings, the one thing you'll see are things that are very matter-of-fact. Because they're not an issue of debate, or contention, or whatever. Whereas we don't get this side in America. But the last line, I'll just read that again. They want people, the Muslims want people to get hurt, and are happy to help the process along if it benefits their religious war against the Jews, Christians, and all other non-Muslim infidels whom they must kill. End of article. They got to kill them. It's a foregone conclusion. That's what they're supposed to do. So please, don't go around trusting any Muslims. Because if they're... Now, now what you do have, though, is you'll have the lukewarm Muslims, like you got the lukewarm Christians in America. And they'll say, oh no, Islam is a religion of peace and love. Give me a stinking break. It's a religion of death and hate. Islam. That's all it is. What it is, is, is if, if they're really meaning what they're saying, let's say I give them the benefit of the doubt, then they're not reading their Quran very well. Like most Christians aren't reading their Bible, and they don't even have the right version anyway. They don't have a King James Bible. They're not reading their Quran. Because if they were to read their Quran and be fundamental to their faith, 
they would have to do this. They, they were supposed to go out and try to kill as many infidels as possible. And it's even better if you get killed in the process. That's what they believe. That's their religious tenet. That is one of the main tenets of their religion. Now, you'll see the extreme factions of Islam. The Islamic extremists or whatever. But see, the thing about it is, if you really think about this, all those people are, are they're fundamentalists. They're being fundamental to their faith. It would be like a fundamental, Bible-believing, Bible-living Christian, in a way. We're fundam- if, if you were that and fundamental to the Christian faith, you'd be a fundamentalist Christian. If you were fundamental to the Islamic faith, you would do what the Quran says. Most of them, the problem is, they're not doing what the Quran says. I, mean, I shouldn't say it's a problem. I'm glad they're not doing it. But if they were truly fundamental to the faith, they would be going around trying to kill as many people as they could. <laughs> now, I guarantee you it's coming back to that more and more. Especially when World War III erupts. Here's another article. This appeared in joelrosenberg.com. This is another Jewish site. This was on May 1st as well. Political earthquake developing in in the epicenter. Pressure building for Omar to resign. Senior. uh, Let's see here. Updated. This is updated. So this is an update about President Omar. A new... Ynet poll released Wednesday finds 65% of Israelis want Prime Minister Yuhed Olmert to resign immediately. 65% of their country want this guy to resign now. You talk about wars and rumors of wars and, and all kind of unrest and things like this going on in the world right now. It's, it's unbelievable. 25% believe that he should wait for the full Winter Guard pr- commission to come out this summer, but only 10% believe Omar should stay on as the nation's leader. Only 10% believe this guy should be there. He's the main guy in town. Okay? In in the largest powder keg on planet Earth right now, 65% of the population are saying, get out. That's pretty serious. Now, I'm, I'm leading somewhere with this, okay? So, we go further. It says, a Haaretz poll finds 68% of Israelis want Omar out now. So that, there's 68 that want him out. Israeli media predicted on Tuesday a political earthquake would face Omar and Defense Minister Amir Perez to resign following the damning reports released on Monday. This is from Reuters. Omar has a noose tightening around his neck, is in a brotherhood being led to the gallows. Israeli newspapers said after the publication of a report into his conduct of the Lebanon war. is. Israel is facing one of the most severe leadership crises in modern history, and its enemies smell blood in the water. That's the main point. Okay, we're going to get to that much further. They smell blood in the water. Hey, you you hit them when they're weak. Okay. There's a twist, though. There's a twist to all this. Now, this sounds a lot like Bush, too. I mean, a lot, most of the country wants Bush out, too. There's all kind of talks of impeachment of Bush and Cheney. So, the same thing's really going on here. Maybe not quite to this extent. But Bush is at his all-time lowest approval rating. He keeps lowering it down a notch. But there's a reason for that, too. We're going to get into that. Israel is facing... Um, okay. Uh, Israeli... President Mo now now they have a prime minister in Israel and they also have a president, okay? Israeli President Moshe Katzva was recently indicted on rape charges. Did you know that? Their prime minister and their president 
all but we can have Christian Zionists, John Hagee and all the other Christian Zionists, and the Hebrew Roots movements. Oh, they can do no wrong. No wrong at all. They get a jail, get out of jail card free pass. All their politicians, we gotta support them no matter what they do. Give me a break. If they're not doing something or moving toward a godly direction, I don't support them. Does it mean I'm against Israel? No. But I don't, I don't condone ungodly actions. I'm not just going to go along with somebody who's living like the devil. This guy's brought up on rape charges. The Bible says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The Bible says in regard to talking about Abraham, blessing them that bless you, and, you know, cursing them that curse. Okay, I'm not saying we go against Israel and, and, and I'm against Israel, okay? But the problem is, is there's no balance in this subject. They've got to get saved the same way we got to get saved, okay? And until they get saved, their destination is hell. Just like any other unsaved person. Jesus Christ offered a better covenant. We're not under that law, that bondage of that law anymore. Okay, so this is the point. And I do believe the Bible says that blindness in part has happened to the Jew until the fullness of the Gentile come in. I believe the fullness of the Gentile is just about in. And that blindness is going to start to be slowly lifted off the Jewish people and they're going to look upon the Savior in whom they pierced. And they're going to start getting saved. I believe that. I really do. But up until this point, although I do believe God brought them back into the promised land, and I do believe He put them there, and I don't think that Israel is going to go anywhere, okay, as far as the country goes. I think they're, they're going to go through a lot. I think a lot of people are going to die, and I think the Bible predicts that. But I'm not saying Israel's going to get blown off the map. Or, no way! No way! All I'm trying to do is, let's have some balance here, okay? That, that, that's, that's my biggest point. So, Israeli President Moshe Katsav was recently indicted on rape charges and has been sub- suspended from his post pending trial. The IDF chief, and this is Israeli Defense Force chief of staff, recently resigned. Charges of corruption in the government and even in the military are rampant. Now a new report by an official commission investigating the government's performance in last summer's Lebanon war has accused Omar of severe failure. The New York Times reports that average Israelis are despondent the people in Israel are just despondent about this. Um, this one lady, I can't even pronounce her name, she's 70 years old, is the 8th generation of her family to live in what is now Israel. I don't, and then she says, I don't see any leader who can lead us, end of quote. She said, I don't trust any of them. I'm sorry to say, every 18 months they have elections and they're no good again. That's what the Israeli people are saying. Now, they've allowed a lot of things to go on in Israel, like America, that are totally ungodly. You've got a lot of nasty stuff going on. You know, Tel Aviv, they're trying to get Tel Aviv as the gay capital of the world. The world. They have their gay, they've had their gay, um, of course, God's, I think the last two years, God's postponed it. God's, uh, God has intervened to postpone it, but they have that national uh, gay week over there. You know, gay pride thing. And, 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 and we're talking the worldwide one. We're not talking a regional event. We're talking the worldwide one. And it's been sponsored in Israel. That's where they've been having it. And there's a lot of wicked, wicked stuff going on in Israel right now. Bad, bad stuff. Now, I know Tex Mars documents this. I believe it's called the Cauldron of Abaddon. But I don't go so far as to say what Tex Mars says when he's just condemning... I mean, he's coming off like he's condemning the whole... Jewish race, they're beyond hope, they're, you know, everybody's wicked, 
all of all evil in the universe stems from the Jewish people. No, I, I will not go to that extreme. There's no way you're going to convince me of that either, because Satan is the one behind the conspiracy. He can he can be. Satan can work through somebody who's Polish, Russian, Jewish. It don't matter. It don't matter. I think there's a lot of Zionist, Kabbalist Jews that are evil, evil, evil to the core. And they, yes, they are some of the main players on the world scene. No doubt about it. But to say it's just purely a Jewish conspiracy or purely a Catholic conspiracy, you hear a lot of that too. Oh, it's the Catholics. It's the Jesuit. I'm sorry. It's a combination. Let's not just put all of our eggs in one ba- basket and have some balance here. Satan is a master of splitting things up, having different organizations, having different levels, having different levels of compartmentalization. He's a master of it. Yes, he would love you to get all of your energy focused on one tiny group and think that they're the purveyors of all evil. But you know something? The Bible says we battle not against flesh and blood but against princes, principalities, rules of wickedness in high places. These are the things that our true battle lies against. So truly our true battle should be done through prayer. Okay, so I said all that to say that as well. These are issues we need to be getting on our knees about and praying about. Not issues we need to become despondent about or discouraged about. And, and it, you know, all this is, is a confirmation of the Bible. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You know, there's so many verses that you could go through right now that predicted this is the way it was going to be. So as anything, this should be an encouragement to us. That's how I look at this. It's an encouragement. And if you're listening to this, and if you have a comprehension of this knowledge, consider yourself one of the very few that knows this. Because if you're in a lukewarm apostate church, you're not going to be getting this teaching. Because it's not going to line... It's not going to line up with what a 501c3 church is going to be permitted to preach. Because 501c3 churches have guidelines they, they should be adhering by, according to the IRS, which, which would basically tell them what you can say and what you can't say. And then there's a lot of preachers who say, well, bless God, the day they tell me what to preach is the day I'll get out of it. That's not, that's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's not good enough. You need to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then He'll receive you. 2 Corinthians, um, was it 4.17? So, this isn't something you want to like wait to the last minute. Be like going down with a sinking ship. Well, I'm going to wait to the last minute to jump off. Get out now. I'm sorry. That's how I feel about these things because there's so many things going on in the churches right now that are totally unbiblical. Does that mean I think that all pastors are bad? No, I'm not saying that. Okay, but the majority of pastors in America are not preaching the truth. They're not standing up for issues. They don't have backbones. They've sold out. They're hirelings. And the Bible says the hireling, Jesus said the hireling has no true love for the sheep. If they really loved you, why aren't they giving you the truth? The truth, well, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay, so see, truth is very important. It's not emphasized in today's day and age. But the Bible says, my children are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And then it goes on to say, because thou hast rejected knowledge, thou shalt be a priest to me no more. And we are referred to in the Bible as kings and priests if we're saved. So, there's a lot of things that are going on in the church that if you're a part of that, it can hinder your walk with God greatly. 
going on to this next article here, and this is from Cutting Edge, and it's entitled, War Signs Rise to Unprecedented Heights Throughout the Middle East. Islamic strategists now believe their armies can defeat the West, thus entering World War III. Now, remember what we said before, they smell blood in the water. Okay? Well, I'm telling you, <laughs> you know, maybe this World War III is not going to happen for, for another year. I don't know. Maybe two. But I'll tell you what. Everything's in place that I can see could be in place for this to happen. And, again, what I'm here to do is to be a watchman and to warn. So that we're prepared and equipped. If these things start going down and unsafe people start coming to us and say, Well, Mr. Bible Boy, what do you think about this in the Middle East? What if you have no answer to give them? We're supposed to always have an answer to give them. Particularly the hope that is within us through Jesus Christ. That's the number one answer through the gospel. But the gospel door may be open by your knowledge through some subject that is biblically related. That, that starts to affect other people's lives in a very real, tangible way. So this is why, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 So see, these are, see the, these are things that we should be doing, and to have some conception of. Now this is entitled, now again, and another thing that you could do, is just point people to this website. You could just point them to a particular sermon. You could, you could, um, you know, email them the link to the sermon if you wanted to. That's another way that, that you could do these things. We're, we're, if, you're, if we're the body of Christ, we're in this together. Okay? And the Bible talks about, you know, can the eye say to the finger, to part of me, I have no need of you? See, I have a particular function in the body of Christ, and you have a particular function in the body of Christ. Everybody has a different function. And that's why I get frustrated with some preachers that say, if you're not doing this, this, and this, well, then you're, bless God, you're not a real Christian. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, number one, put me in a box because my calling may not be the same as yours. You know, there's certain things that some people are, are suited for and why is that? Well, because God made us all differently. Fearfully and wonderfully made, remember? Well, we're all different. Well, why? Why shouldn't we all be robots? Well, because we're the body of Christ. And this finger is different than the big toe. And my knee is different than my ear. We all have different functions in the body of Christ. And that's why I don't like it when I see other people getting beat up over, well, you're not doing this and you're not... Now, granted, yes, there are certain things every Christian should be doing in regard to holy living and things of this nature. But as far as what your function is, I don't know. And everybody's not in a position where they can do the same amount as another person. There, I mean, God may have you in a very small circle of influence where you can reach somebody, but you know something? You've done what you can do. You've done what you can do, and if, if God's given you that, and that's all He's given you, then do what you can do, and move on to the next day. And God doesn't expect... From, I mean, when He gave... <coughs> when He gave the talents away, okay, when, when J Jesus gave that parable in the Bible about the talents, you know, He gave one, one talent... One, two, and what? One, five. Okay? This would also be representative of one having... Let, let's say the one talent would be... Maybe your circle of influence is very small. But you know something? What he should have done, instead of burying the talent, he could have multiplied it like the other two did. You can still reach whoever God's put you in that circle to reach. Whereas the person that had five talents probably had a larger circle maybe of influence where they could maybe reach more people. 
and these types of things. So don't get discouraged and down if, if, if you don't feel like people aren't listening and things like that. They didn't listen. You know, if you look at the Bible, most of the time the prophets they didn't listen to. Most of the time, you know, if you look at what ultimately ended up, ended up happening to Jesus, all his disciples fleed him. He gave all these warnings, all these things. Most of all, the apostles died alone, alone as martyrs. They probably felt, maybe got discouraged too. Nobody's listening. All the martyrs, then you get into Fox, Fox's book of martyrs. Many of them died alone. Nobody listened. And, l- and look at the evidence of this. I ended up getting burned at the stake. My, 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 no, God doesn't see it that way. <laughs> God don't see it that way. Because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are different than ours. We don't think, we can't comprehend the way God can look at something. And God may bring you into that situation where you're isolated alone and feel like you're not reaching anybody or doing anything good for God. You know? He may, he may put you in that situation. He may. But see, the thing is, is just do what you can do. Do what you can do. And, 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 and call upon the Lord in order to do it. And now that's probably the most important thing I've said. You've got to call upon the Lord. It's through, his, it's through the Holy Spirit that lives inside you as a born-again Christian that you have all the strength you, you need to do what you need to do. Ask the Lord to show you. What, what, what do you want me to do, Lord? Uh, um, is there anything you want me to do for you today? Uh, what can I do? to be a blessing to you, that your name would be glorified through me, that through me, many would be led to the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray this every day for the body of Christ, for myself, Taylor, the people in this room, that the Lord would be glorified through us, and that He would use us to lead many to the Lord. Because ultimately, when it all boils down to it, 2,000 years from now, or a million years from now, that's all that's really going to matter. What did the Lord do through you? Were you saved? Was He glorified through you? See, these are how the talents get multiplied. And on the other side, when we get our reward, okay, either wood, hay, or stubble, which will all be burned up at the judgment seat of Christ, or gold, silver, precious stones, which won't be burned up, which will actually be purified by the fire, and the crowns and things of this nature. I don't know about all the reward system in heaven. I mean, I only know what was said in the Bible, but um, those rewards will last then. These are, these are talents that will not, they, they'll never go away. Never. So that's kind of a neat way to, to, to look at things and, and just to be an encouragement there because, you know, I know normally I'm just getting into all negative stuff, but unfortunately the time, day and times we're living in, it's just almost pure negativity. <laughs> but, you know, you look at what Jesus preached on and most of what he preached on was negative stuff. It's not the Smiley Joel Olstein, you know, power smile hour. I just made that up. Smiley Joe's the power smile hour. They should call it that. I mean, you know, all that that guy has. I think he got plastic surgery so that he could have a permanent smile embedded on his face. Because every time I was ever have ever seen that guy, he's got this perpetual smile. Even as he's talking, he's smiling. He's so phony. I mean, phony with this big old globe in the back and in in in. Man, a live stadium? He's got the stadium packed out. But he's taking millions of people to hell, is really what it boils down to. He is. And I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. These guys are hirelings. They have no love for the sheep. They're not giving you the truth. So, 
going into this article, it says, uh, Israel lost the Lebanon war to Hezbollah, and America's losing the war in Iraq to the insurgency. Consequently, expectations for an all-out war in the Middle East are at an all-time high. Now, again, this is the blood-in-the-water scenario. Islam is over here saying, wow, look at Israel. They're pretty weak. they got all this stuff going on. Look at America. They can't even win the war in Iraq. Blood in the water. And what is what is their what is their mantra? What is their what is their um, mission calling? To slay the infidels or convert them. If you really want to boil it down, that's what their real mission they're not a they're not a religion that can peacefully coexist on this earth with any other religion. Not no. It doesn't happen that way. So what's the choice here, man? We're going to have to get some serious carnage going on. So, let's look at this further. Specific war actions. Iran activates her plan to shut down all oil traffic in the Strait of Hormuz. Two. Now, these are, these are, these are tenets of why this is being said. Specific war actions. Iran activates her plan to shut down all traffic in the Strait of Hormuz. Now, we're going to talk about each one of these points individually. Two, Syria moves troops toward Israel-Lebanon border. Three, the Israeli commission rules that the IDF, which is the Israeli Defense Force, the defense minister and the prime minister all acted incompetently in prosecuting the Lebanon War of 2006. The Israeli government has never looked weaker or more vulnerable. Four, White House changes its position, now saying that Israel suffered a defeat in, Le in the Lebanon war. The result, Islamic leaders now believe their armies can defeat the West. See, it's like they're baiting them in. It's the way it's looking. Now, again, I'm not going to sit here and get totally dogmatic about the absolute utter way this is all going to go down. I'm not. I will not do that. Okay? But what I'm doing here is I'm, it's like, come let us reason together, saith the Lord. Let's look at this thing and let's look at if all the pieces are in place. I know one thing. World War III in the Middle East is going to happen. Exactly how it happens, I can't, I, I'm not, I don't have my, you know, I left my fortune, my, my crystal ball at home. I, I, you know, I failed Necromancy 101. Okay, that I don't 100% know. I'm not the all-knowing Swami. Okay, but I do know and I do believe there's an incredibly high likelihood that World War III is going to spawn from the Middle East and out of the ashes of World War III, the Antichrist is going to arise. It is absolutely the most plausible solution out there moving into the tribulation period. I, I, I just don't see there being another higher likelihood. Now, I'm saying this also based on all the research I've been doing all these years on this particular subject. Seeing all these things fall into place as well. So, I, some of it's, a lot of it's based on that too. This article goes on to say, um, it gives a quote by Adolf Hitler where he says, truth is not what it is, truth is what the people perceive it to be. Now that's a lie from the pit of hell, but that's what he said. So see, whatever people perceive to be truth, that's all that really matters. Hitler, Hitler's infamous quote above, on the importance of a propaganda in war, forms the basis of this article. Rightly or wrongly, 
Islamic military and civilian leadership is now convinced that Israel is historically weak and vulnerable, and that her ally America is vulnerable because she is suffering the pangs of a military defeat in Iraq. Consequently, Muslim armies are feverishly preparing for war. The nation taking the lead is Iran. Of course, as she moves into the final preparation to light many fires in the entire Middle East, as her master plan seems to be working perfectly to defeat America's invasion in Iraq. Since the master battle plan was conceived by Iran, probably in conjunction with Russia, let us consider with a somber article as to the current steps her leadership has been taking for nearly one year to prepare for an all-out war. Now, again, I've done a whole study on this, on, on Iran. It's called Iran Code Red. I've also mentioned this in a lot with the other stuff, because so much of this is related, okay, together. Iran's been getting ready for this for a long time, okay? This is from Newsmax. This is uh, entitled... Um, Iran readies plan to close the Strait of Hormuz. This was just March, this was March 1st, 2006. Quote, Iran's revolutionary guards are making preparations for a massive assault on U.S. naval forces and international shipping in the Persian Gulf. The plans, which include the use of bottom-tethered mines potentially capable of destroying U.S. aircraft carriers, were designed to counter a U.S. land invasion and to close the Strait of Hormuz. Now, I believe the Strait of Hormuz is this... Uh, waterway that's very, very important shipping lane that runs along Iran, and what they're going to have to do, what Iran's trying to do is put bombs, these bottom tethered bombs and these types of things to stop any particular land invasion from the American troops onto their land. These bombs would be triggered if the United States or Israel launched a preemptive strike on Iran to knock out nuclear and military and missile facilities. Now, we've been threatening to do that. John Hagee's been screaming up and down, we've got to go nuke them before they nuke us. Where's that in the Bible? What is that? What is that operating? And what, I've said this before. Well, that's the fear of man. John Hagee's trying to instill the fear of man in us. Not the fear of God. Not that God could intervene and protect America. Or, or, or anything like that. No, he's trying to instill the fear of man. Because that's not the fear of God. And the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. But the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. It's the beginning of knowledge. The angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him. So see, all these blessings are connected with the fear of the Lord, but the fear of man is the exact opposite. The fear of man will bring you a snare. It, it's, it's always going to bring you in the wrong direction. And I just don't. I just can't remember Jesus going around saying, we got to nuke them before they nuke us. I, just, I, I must have missed that book and chapter in the Bible, you know? So anyway... Iran has said she would begin this kind of offensive the instant American or Israeli forces were detecting moving against her nuclear facilities and or her military command and control systems. With Russia's scalier weaponry standing ready to defend Iran. Now, the scalier weaponry we'll talk a little bit about. The Iranian leadership seems confident to the point of being reckless. Let us prepare for... Let us return to this article to see the kind of weaponry Iran has been preparing for this war. I'm just going to go over this a little bit. Um, they've got all these weapons, okay? They, they list them all here. I'm not, I, half of these I couldn't even hardly pronounce. All these weapons and that Iran has that supposedly they would go against Israel and, and America and all this other stuff. This Iranian strike force is as formidable, is as, as, formidable as it sounds. For both Russia and China have fervently 
feverishly been arming Iran for the entire four years America has been fighting in Iraq. So see, they've been getting armed by Russia and China. It's not just Iran anymore. We have stated time and time again that the Iranian military is immeasurably stronger than Saddam Hussein's palace guard troops. With American forces weakened by continuous warfare and a lack of spare parts and stretched too thin, and again, that's all by design, the Iranian force levels the Iranian force levels re represent a force with which to be reckoned. Remember, Saddam, Saddam Hussein's threat that if attacked, he would immediately strike Israel. Iran is planning an asymmetrical attack which includes, which includes other Arab nations should either America or Israel attack. Miss, missile units have been identified, more than 100 targets, including Saudi oil production and oil export centers. Now, why would, would they want to do that? Because then they could, it would be the excuse to why we don't have any oil coming here, or, or very little. They have modified more than 50 Shahab-3 and Shahab-4 missiles ready for shooting against those targets and against Israel. Saudi Arabia has much to fear from the Iranian military capability for she knows that Russia and China stand behind that capability. Other oil-rich Arab states in the region allied with America also have much to fear. So see, any Arab nation that's allied with America, they would be actually targets as well. Whether that's the way it goes down, I don't know. The Iranians also plan to lay huge minefields across the Persian Gulf inside the Strait of Hormuz, effectively trapping ships that manage to cross the strait before they can enter into the Gulf, where they can be destroyed by coastal artillery and land-based silkworm missile batteries. Today, Iran has sophisticated EM-53 bottom-tethered mines, which it purchased from China in the 1990s. The EM-53 presents a serious threat to major U.S. surface vessels, since its rocket-propelled charge is capable of hitting the hull of its targets at speeds of 70 miles per hour underwater. Some analysts believe it can knock out a U.S. aircraft carrier. What is America's outlook on these mines? Well, this is a quote. Uh, he says, I think it would be problematic for any Navy to face a combination of mines, small boats, and any ship cruise missiles, torpedoes, coastal artillery, and silkworms, said retired Navy Commander Joseph Tengala, not to be confused with Joseph Mengala. Anyway, sorry, little joke there. Anyway, CEO of Tactical <laughs> Defense Concepts and Maritime Security Company. He says, this is a credible threat. In Tengala's view... <laughs> I can't hardly say the guy's name. I got that in my head. In Tangela's view, the major problem will be the mines. Um, naval minefields are hard to locate and to sweep, and the United States has few minesweepers. It's going to be like running the gauntlet getting through there. Um, as a matter of fact, once the battle is underway, we shall discover American forces have a number of vulnerabilities which we've never seen before. To, to illustrate these vulnerabilities... Please take a few moments to read, and then it's, they give you this next article. Now, the thing about Cutting Edge's articles is they have a lot of links to other articles where they can expound upon a given point, which I really like. Uh, it takes a lot of work to do this, and they've got some really nicely linked things here. Uh, the title of that article was entitled, 16 U.S. Naval Ships Are at the Bottom of the Persian Gulf. Did you know that? Includes one aircraft carrier destroyed during recent war games disaster. Well, see, we're not seeing this stuff on the news. This is the news you don't get at 7 o'clock. Over the past two decades, Western intelligence has consistently stated that the Iranian nuclear threat was at least a decade away. However, at the same time, 
that many other war signs are heating up, American intelligence has suddenly issued a new warning that Iran is only three years away from obtaining an awful nuclear bomb. Can, ever, can anyone remember the Bush lie that American intelligence had just discovered that Saddam had purchased from Niger aluminum tubes by Iraq, which was said to constitute proof of a renewed nuclear enrichment program for the eventual production of weapons of mass destruction? Of course, that proved to be a colossal lie. So in other words, our government is in the business of lying to us constantly. Just turn on the 7 o'clock news. I can't even hardly watch the 7 o'clock news. I get so angry. You know, all it is is drug commercials medicating you so you're going to be in a, into a drugged out stupor so you'll buy everything you're seeing on the 7 o'clock news. That's basically what their plan is. To use pharmakia. What do you mean pharmakia? Well, the root word for sorcery in the Bible is pharmakia. That's where we get the word for pharmacy and pharmacist. Oh, now you're stepping on some toes. Now you're really, you know, I don't mess with my meds. Well, that's my specialty. So, if you have any doubts on that one, please email me, because that's what I do primarily, is a, expose what's going on in the health movement. And I, I do this with everything. I try to look at every facet of our society and expose evil and bring out truth. And if I'm not putting out truth, all I need to do is be shown that I'm not. Show me the evidence, and, and I, will, I will recant. But the problem is, is there's so much confirmation out there of these various and sundry points that it's pretty tough to prove it otherwise. Oh, there's a lot of propaganda that we're fed, but please don't try to do it with the 7 o'clock news to show me I'm wrong. Because normally you can show that the 7 o'clock news is wrong about 50 different ways. I'm not saying everything you see on the 7 o'clock news, but so much of it is so biased and so slanted. We're being brainwashed in this country. Absolutely, totally brainwashed. We're like a bunch of brainwashed zombies walking around. I, it's, it's just unbelievable. Not everyone, but most. So then we go further. Or do you remember the huge lie which Secretary of State Colin Powell told the United Nations Sec Security Council, which showed satellite photos which were purported to be proof that Saddam was pursuing nuclear weapons capability? That lie was immediately uncovered by intelligence services of other Western nations, but the average American citizen never got the message that Powell's presentation was a complete lie. See, what they do is they get the point across, and that's all they, they don't care about anything beyond that, because they've got the point across. It's already in your head. It's already in your thought process. You've already heard it. So that's what they're really trying to do. Propaganda principles ruled the day during the year before the invasion actually began. Since, since at least 2000... Uh, here, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. It all started with a new intelligence report. Moving up the date to where Iran is said to start producing their nuclear weapons. Um, going further, then there's a next... The, the next article is a news brief from Ynet News, which is that Jewish news service entitled, The Countdown Has Begun, U.S. and Israel Prepare for Iran Strike, Iran, Iran Strike in Wake of New Intelligence Information. So, I mean, they're coming out with it in Israel. It's just kind of a foregone conclusion. They're preparing for this to happen, for Iran to strike in the wake of new intelligence information. Um, and again, this is from a, you know, mainstream Jewish news source. So, this is what they're basically coming out and telegraphing. And like I said, they always telegraph for punches, usually prior to cataclysmic events. Quote, Washington, the intelligence information gathered by the United States regarding Iran's 
technological breakthrough that could lead Tehran to an atomic bomb in less than three years bodes well for President Bush's political desperation. Did you just hear that? This is from a this is from a mainstream Israeli news source. Let me read that last sentence one more time. This is they're saying regarding Washington. This is this Jewish news source. The intelligence information gathered by the United States regarding Iran's technological breakthrough that can lead Tehran to an atomic bomb in less than three years bodes well for President Bush's political desperation. Sure it does. It bodes well. The new intelligence indicates that Iran is making accelerated progress in acquiring the required amount of enriched uranium for assembling its first nuclear bomb. Until recently, American intelligence estimated that this would happen in 2015. Now the U.S. intelligence is falling in line with its colleagues in Israel and estimating that an Iranian bomb can be expected as early as 2010. Notice the almost tongue-in-cheek comment that this that this new American intelligence review said, where it said, bodes well with the with President George Bush's political desperation. If an American attack on Iran can be seen as a victory, then President Bush can act like the Texas cowboy, which much of the world perceives him to be, and can rake in accolades and put off any talks of impeachment. See where this is all going? See, Iran would be used as something like like what we were talking about earlier, a false flag nuclear event on our soil, blamed on the Iranians, let's say a suitcase nuke goes off somewhere, well that bodes well for the president. Because he can impose martial law, he can, he can act like the cowboy he is, he is the war president, he called himself that, and he's the oil president. See, all this relates to war and oil. He's, he's loving it, he's eating it up. So, this all works well for him, because then he gets all we're in World War III, we're going to go in lockdown, we're going to close the borders off, you're not going to be able to impeach me because we're in martial law, because when, when he declares martial law, he's, he ain't going to be able to get impeached. He's going to see sure to that, because under martial law, all, all the rules are off, okay? This is one of the reasons he wants to bring us to that point, Cheney included. So, and yet the churches stay silent, oh no, he's a man of God. He's born again. Well, the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. What are his fruits? You want to see his fruits? Go up to Cutting Edge. Stand out. CuttingEdge.org. Or, or email me and I'll forward you this article. It's called The Fruits of Bush. All it does is document his actions since he's been in office. And not all of them. Just some of the, the main ones. You tell me that it's his fruits good or bad. And they list good and evil fruits. He's got like a couple good. You know, he's, he's, he's got a couple. I'll give him that. And, and he, throw, he throws the Republicans, the Christians a bone every now and then. He does. I think he did a couple things in the last week or so. Um, but he's doing so much evil as well. And God is not the author of confusion. If this man was a real true born-again Christian, his, his actions would be consistent. But see, you don't get to the level he's at unless the globalist elite through via Satan have installed them there. Now, is God permitting it to happen? Yes. Does the Bible say God let, setteth one up and putteth another down? Yes. But He's permitting it to happen because the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that He will send strong delusion that they would, that they would all believe a lie who receive not the love of the truth. That they might all be damned. See, God's doing this and letting this happen on purpose. Well, if that doesn't sound like a loving God, well, I'm sorry. He's sick and tired of what's going on here. And everything else he's tried hasn't worked. As far as being merciful, 
and compassionate and all these other things. See, there gets to a certain time where if you've got a nation that's just totally rebelling against you and totally, basically, um, turning their back on you and seeking after Baal and going after other gods, that it gets to a point where it's like, okay, fine, have it your way. The only thing that you're going to understand is judgment. That's it. A boot across your neck. Death. Because you're not going to repent any other way. It's not going to happen. Now, through this, I believe many people will end up getting saved. If God doesn't bring His judgment, and and this world just gets more and more and more wicked, are you telling me more and more people are just going to get saved as it gets more and more wicked? No. It doesn't happen that way. The Bible talks about in Hosea chapter 2, where He talks about when He brings adulterous Israel back, He says, I will give you the valley of Achor for a door of hope. Well, what happened in the Valley of Achor? That's where Achin, whose name means trouble, was was um, killed with all his family. I believe they were stoned. And all their possessions, and they were disgraced. Well, because of Achin, he brought sin into the camp. He was judged. He was killed. His family was killed. Through that judgment, Israel was able to go and possess the Promised Land. So see, that's why God says, I will give you the Valley of Achor which is where judgment happened, for a door of hope. See, them dealing with Achan, and Achan being judged, and ultimately being killed in his family, was the door of hope for which Israel could go through because they had purged sin from the camp. They had gotten right with the Lord again. That allowed them to go and possess the promised land. Well, people say, well, I don't don't like a God like that or serve a God. Well, you don't have to. You don't have to. That's your option. But remember, His ways are not our ways. And it really doesn't matter what your opinion is. You have to, you have to search out the Scriptures and, and see why God does these things. And when He went through in the Promised Land and slayed every man, woman, and child and did these types of things to these, to these um, demon-possessed cultures, He did it because they were demon-possessed. Because the seed had been so corrupted, just like it was in Noah's day. The seed had been totally corrupted. He had to wipe every single person off the planet. That can happen. The Bible talks about um, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman. The Bible talks about the wheat and the tares. And the tares are are tares. Tares are tares. They're going to be burned. Okay? So, God's looking at things differently than we are. And that's the problem man gets into. He wants to be his own God. He wants to say, well, I want to do that and I'm not going to serve a God. Well, that's your prerogative. That opinion... And what you did with Jesus Christ is going to be the very thing that makes that lets you burn in hell for all then to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's your that's your destination, I'm sorry. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Like the Bible says in Galatians four sixteen? Well, this isn't the stuff you're gonna hear in most churches. But it's the truth, it's just Bible, that's it. Just kind of tying it together for you. So, going further, we Let's see here. Um, however, if an if an American attack if an American attack on Iran is seen as a disaster, <laughs> President Bush will face immediate impeachment actions from a very angry Congress. Remember that what we stated in summer 2003, the Illuminati has fought two world wars already for the express purpose of eliminating national sovereignty. Therefore, they cannot allow President Bush's wars to seem successful. President Bush, you say, what do you mean fought two world wars? You know something? All the wars we fought, all of them in America, pretty much, 
at least from the Civil War, <laughs> have all been staged by whatever you want to call them, the globalist elite, the Illuminati, the 13 families that rule the world, whatever you want to call Who was behind that, Satan? Satan and his devils. We battle not against flesh and blood. It's so easy to get our eyes hooked on George Bush or Cheney or the Rothschilds or whoever. But the thing is, is really what matters is, is what are the devils that are operating through these individuals? That's where our real battle's at. That we need to get our eyes fixed on those things and deal with them in prayer. So, President Bush must be brought down in disgrace for his unwarranted attack against Iraq. We said this in the summer of 2003 and have been saying it ever since, but now, of course, it has caught up uh, with this cutting-edge prediction. Likewise, since the Illuminati wants to continue to disgrace President Bush, and, and I will be honest, they have been saying this, Cutting Edge has been saying this for a long time, that this is all by design. And this whole thing about feigning weakness, Israel feigning weakness, that's all been by design too, and we're going to get to that in a minute. The Illumin- And this is where the rubber meets the road with this, with this quote right here. Likewise, since the Illuminati wants to continue to disgrace President Bush, and since it desperately wants to start World War III, so that they can stage their Masonic Christ... An American attack on Iran must be seen as a disaster. See, again, this is about staging the Antichrist. This is about setting the stage for him. World War Three, Through World War Three. Uh, this Ynet News article concludes by saying that the Pentagon expects Israel to carry out the attack. However, Israel's enemies getting so ready for war and with Omar's government so enmeshed in the scandal... Uh, I, we just talked about how much Omer, everybody wants him out. We find it hard to believe that Israel would initiate such an attack with Israel feigning such weakness right now. Okay? Now let us examine the monumentous event shaking Israel like a fig tree right now. Our analysis is, is that Israel is deliberately acting as though she is uniquely weak right now. Now, there's a book called The Art of War by a guy, by like some Japanese or Chinese general named Sun Tzu. Okay? I actually read this book one time. In uh, what the Art of War states, the basic tenets, if you want to really, really boil it down, one of the two main tenets of the book is, when you're weak, feign strength. In other words, act like you're strong. And when you're strong, feign that you're weak. That's how he went into every battle. It's very confusing to the enemy, unless the enemy knows your strategy. Because if you're strong and you feign weakness, you bait them in. And what it could do is is really, you know, if they're really feigning weakness, and we know what the Islams, the Islamic people want to do to the Jews, we know that they want to annihilate them totally. We know this. What better time to do it than now? When they're acting as weak as a kitten just about. I won't go that far, but I mean, they're, they're acting pretty weak. So, this is tempting the Arabs to attack. Conveniently, the Wingard Commission's study of the conduct of the Israeli Defense Force and the political leaders during the 2006 Lebanon War was released, and it seemed to show that these Israeli institutions were completely incompetent. And that's the way it seems. I mean, everything you read, you know, they're just... One guy's getting brought up, the president's getting brought up on rape charges. Everybody wants Omer out of the out of the thing now. you got all of his, a lot of these people that are in high government are being let out in disgrace. You know, it's not looking real good. 
Now this is from the Debka file intelligence, and it's entitled Lebanon War Inquiry Commission hands down the equivalent of a death warrant against Omer government for its grave failures across the board. Prime Minister Ehud Omer is accused of grave failures of judgment, responsibility, and cautioned his decisions to go to war in Lebanon last summer in his, in his management. His decision was hasty, undertaken without in-depth study of the circumstances in the arena, a proper plan of action, and clearly defined objectives. So again, they're just they're discrediting him more. Thus, in one fell swoop, the leadership of the vaunted Israeli Defense Force, the Prime Minister, and the Defense Minister are all called incompetent. All of Israel's dirty laundry is revealed in one instance for all the enemies to see. See, they want the enemies to see this. Compelled with the perceived victory by Hezbollah over the IDF, this report could set the stage for the all-out war in the Jewish state. Now again, I think it's a combination of things going on. I don't think it's just one thing. I think it's a combination of everything we've just talked about today. And even in recent weeks, I don't, I don't ever just put all my eggs in one basket. So this is the reason. No, there's a lot of different reasons. These are complex matters, and um, the devils are really taking their time to make sure everything's done just right. The devils are crossing, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. That's what they're trying to do. I mean, let's face it, the devil's pretty good at what he does. You know, he's had thousands of years to hone and perfect his skills. So anyway, um, this is another one from Debka, news brief. Assad shifts units from Iraq to the Lebanese border shortly after the Lebanon war panel slams Olmert's government. A source in Israel's northern command says the stationing of an infantry... Now this was just May 1st, this was just days ago, stationing of an infantry brigade on the forward line with Israel stiffens Syrian defenses and frees the Syrian command units for operational duties. We have been reporting for months now nearly every day that Syrian units have been gradually inching their way toward the border with Lebanon and Israel. At a snail's pace, Syrian army units can conceivably be in place to launch a full-scale attack on Israeli positions on the Golan Heights and the rest of the Islamic attack plan in place. Now, Golan Heights is a very strategic place in Israel that if they capture that, they're going to be at a very good position to launch rockets and things. That's called, they call it Golan Heights. Okay, it's, it's very strategic. Now, some of this I've even heard before. I can remember even before from listening to John Hagee. Not everything John Hagee says is a lie. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the premise, the biblical premise behind what he's saying and what he's saying we should do and what we should get behind is unbiblical. It's motivated out of the fear of man. Okay, that's the difference. And, there, and, and again, there's a lot of stuff that he says that's not, in, that's not accurate. But... Again, I've said this analogy before, rat poison is 98% good food, 2% poison. So, it's all it takes is a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. So, we've got all these Syrian defenses slowly getting over to this border with Israel. Why would they be doing that? Huh. Here's another one from Debka. His Hezbollah is practicing the transfer of units from north of Latani to south Lebanon. This was reported to the Israeli cabinet Sunday, April 29th, again a few days ago. And most of this information is very current we're dealing with here. This isn't like a year ago this happened. This is days this happened. That's why I really felt compelled to go into this today. Because I don't know. The next week we meet, this could be a done deal. World War III could be started. It could be that close. 
And again, it's more reason for us to pray about these situations. Because I believe that's the only thing just about holding anything back anymore. You know, prayer. Not to say God's not on the throne, but God is motivated through godly prayer. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay? If there's no Christians praying about anything, God looks down and says, they don't care. I'm going to let it go. You know, this whole thing with the suitcase nuclear event that was supposed to take place on American soil during during Easter and last Easter. Well, somebody could come back and say, well, none of that happened. Well, that's what they were saying to the guy. But I said, yes. I said, but I don't view it that way. I view it as, praise God, it didn't happen. Hopefully there was enough Christians that got on their knees that through prayer averted this situation. This is the reason that we warn people. (laughs) Okay? So, we go further. And it says that uh, the smuggling of quantities of weapons from Syria and Iran is still going on. The general added, uh, this is General Gabi Ajnad of the Israeli cabinet. He says, in both cases, Hezbollah is not disturbed by the presence of expanded UN forces in the south of Lebanon. Practicing the transfer of units on a potential battlefield is usually looked upon as preparation for war. And that's what they're doing. Who's doing this? Syria and Iran? Huh. Well, Iran, we talked about them a lot. Hezbollah announced several months ago that they had fully replenished her stocks of theater missiles and other ammunition destroyed by the Israeli war last summer. Hamas is furiously preparing for all-out war as the next segment reveals. And why wouldn't they be? If you're going to strike your enemy, you're going to strike him when he's weak, aren't you? Maybe they didn't read Sun Tzu's Art of War book. I don't know. So anyway, finally, as if to weaken... Israel still further, the Bush White House reportedly changed its mind on who won the 33-day Lebanon war last summer. Initially, President Bush stated he believed it was Israel who won that war, but now he's changed his mind. White House now holds, this is from Debka, news brief, White House now holds that Israel suffered a strategic defeat in 2006 Lebanon war. Notice how a grave defeat how grave of a defeat President Bush has labeled the Lebanon War of 2006. It's not a small defeat, but a strategic defeat. Such a defeat can easily doom the very existence of a nation. So the President was dealing a huge blow to Israel's prestige and an equally huge blow to her enemies, or boost to her enemies. Wars are begun on miscalculate... Wars are begun on miscalculations, much, much smaller than this miscalculation. Did you get that last line? There's a lot of wars. They go to they go to war because they perceive the enemy's weak on a lot less than what's even went on here. This is huge, what they're saying. Arab nations are being set up for extreme deception. Whoa, why would he say that? Have you heard that yet? Arab nations are being set up to be deceived? Well, let's talk about that. For they have no idea that Israel possesses scalar weaponry, the most devastating weaponry ever devised by man. Listen to L.T. Bearden describe how how incredibly more powerful scalar weaponry is than even the most advanced conventional weapons. Now, this is a reason I do not... I agree with this, because I don't believe God is going to let Israel get wiped off the planet. He didn't bring them in there in 1948 to have them wiped out so that the tribulation couldn't be fulfilled. How could, let me ask you a question, how could anything in Revelation go down the way it's supposed to go down if Israel wasn't a nation? It couldn't happen. How, how could the Antichrist commit the abomination of desolation where he went into the temple, the temple has to be rebuilt, 
on the Temple Mount and declared himself to be his God, well, hold on. I mean, that implies right there that the Jews still have to be. There's so many things that are just totally self-evident in Scripture that tells you there is no way Israel's going to get wiped out. Not going to happen. Not going to happen, dude. So this would go along with that as well. Um, he goes on all these weapons they, they've got. I mean, I, I'm not even going to go into them. They're, they're just they're huge. Laundry list of these unbelievable weapons. And this, this, this LT Bearden says, finally, he says, quote, and it's all totally vulnerable to scalier EM interfer, interferometer weapons. Interferometer weapons. Giant scalier EM radars can simply sweep through all these other weapons like a shiv through standing hay. End of quote. This was quoted from a, a book, evidently, that he got this from. Scalier weaponry can sweep through any combination of America's weapons like a shiv through standing hay. And the weapon employed by Syria, Hezbollah, Hamas, Jordan, and Egypt does not begin to have the capability of America's advanced weapons listed above. So in other words, I don't know if he's implying we have scalier weaponry or not. I, I believe we do. But he's saying Israel has this and these other weapons that he wist, listed, the Middle East don't even have them. They don't even have them. Well, well, then why are we losing the war in Iraq? Because it's all by design. It's all by design. We could go over there and, 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 and annihilate if we wanted to. It wouldn't be that hard of a deal. But the problem is, it's all by design. All this whole war. And again, I, I don't have time to get into that this week, but listen to some of the other sermons. What's that? Oh yeah. All these wars, all by design. Every bit of it. Well, why? Well, because the munitions makers and all the people that profiteer from war make a lot of money. And you know what? The people that are at the head of those companies, like the 13 families of the Illuminati, these generational Luciferians that own companies like DuPont that make the gunpowder and these types of things, and, and the ones that pump the oil to make these, and all these other big high rollers, you know what? They're generational Luciferians. Read Fritz Springmeier's book, Bloodlines of the Illuminati. In fact, you can go online, do a keyword search, and find the book. If you don't can't find it, find me. I'll send you the link. Okay, you can download the whole book online. Or you can get it through Tex Mars. I know he has it. He goes through, he'll take you through the, all 13 families of the Illuminati. The guy's done more research than anybody I've ever known on the subject. His reward is he's in prison now. Okay, I hope he's alive. I haven't heard from him in a long time. I was, I was writing him back and forth, but I don't know where he's at right now. So, these guys are generational Luciferians. And generational Luciferians view deaths on the battlefield as sacrifices to Satan. This is how they practice their religion. Remember, Satan is a cruel taskmaster. He requires a lot from his subjects in order for him to give them the goodies. Because Satan even took Jesus up and he said, all these kingdoms will I give you if you just bow down and worship me. Well, he could do the same for other people. But there's a high price to pay. And the more you want from Satan, the higher the price. These people are generationally bred to do this. This is generational Luciferian. The Bible says the sins of the forefather are carried to the third and fourth generation. Okay, so these are generationally wicked people that are being produced. And they're really what they are, Satan's ruling elite that rule the planet. Okay? So... I know I'm getting pretty lighthearted right now, too. I, I, 
So we're getting pretty whimsical with what we're talking about here. So anyway, uh, it says, Immediately after the Lebanon War, Israeli tanks were fitted with weapons which sounded like it could be scalier weaponry. If you have not read our expose in this manner, please go to, and then they give you the thing, it's entitled, Israel seems to be outfitting her tanks with scalier Tulsa weapons domes. Okay, so that, that article's done. So we've got a pretty good idea right now, the plausible scenario here. Uh, and again, to carry this one step further, out of the ashes of this World War III that will be started here, one way or another it's going to happen. I, I mean, maybe it's going to be a different round. Okay? But, it's going to happen, eventually. Out of the ashes of that World War III, which, which Cutting Edge is predicting will be a 91-day war, out of that ashes is going to come a seemingly man of peace that's going to have an answer. And he's going to confirm the covenant, like the Bible says in Daniel, for a week, which is in regard to seven years. He's going to confirm the covenant with Israel and with, with probably all the nations of the world for a week. And in the midst of the week, he will commit the abomination of desolation. He'll go into the temple, proclaim himself to be God, so it all lines up, okay? And again, that subject in regard to the Antichrist arising and confirming the covenant for a week, making a you know, making this deal, going into the seven year tribulation, that relates very, very heavily to what we talked about last week. That that's that teaching was entitled Mars, Lord Maitreya, and the Ascended Masters. Because those are going to be his cohorts, his buddies that arise during that time. So, again, it all ties together, every bit of this stuff, from week to week to week, it always ties together. This next article was from Ynet News, and it's entitled, Renew, Renewing Animal Sacrifices on the Mount. Members of the Sanhedrin say the sacrifices were not possible when the people of Israel were in diaspora, but now they are. Adds... They also add the Jerusalem temple should be, re- should be rebuilt. Israeli government standing in our way. Now see, again, this is a confirmation. It's going to happen. There's a lot of Christian organizations right now in Christendom, lukewarm Christendom, that are giving money to have the temple be rebuilt. Oh, that's, I'm sure God loves that. Oh yeah, that's godly. Yeah, rebuild the temple so you can reinstitute temple sacrifices because basically what you're saying is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross who shed His blood to pay for all humanity's sin debt, that wasn't good enough. We need to go back to the old covenant because the new covenant's not good enough. That's an abomination for the pit of hell. That's a stench in God's nostrils. Don't give a dime for that. If you, if, and, and here's another thing. If you're putting your money into these ministries... If you're putting your tithes or whatever into these ministries, do you expect God to bless you? Do you expect yourself not to be deceived? I'm seriously. You better make sure you're sowing your money into some type of ministry that is putting out truth. Or widows and orphans, or some, or someplace you know where your money is going, wherever God leads you to put it. You need to, you need to put it where, where it's going to bear good fruit, because it's like a seed, okay. And I don't want to get too prosperity preachy on you. Just send in your seed offering, and and you'll get this prayer cloth back, the shamrock prayer cloth, you know. My word, they got all kind of crazy stuff going on, but. Um, 
you need to make sure where you're putting your money because you're responsible for that. And when you stand in the judgment seat of Christ and you give an account, which the Bible says every man will, me included, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself as much as I am anybody else, okay? When you do that, you're going to have to give an account for all this money that God gave you that you blew on devils. You're blowing your money on devils. You're giving it to hirelings. Who's somebody that's a hireling? He's doing it for the money, for the hire. Okay, which is the vast majority of preachers in this country. I'm sorry. 501c3 corporate entities with the pastors as the CEO and the deacons as the board of directions reading their false Bibles, having their Christian rock, having no morality, no standards, no church discipline, nothing. Anything goes. It's all just about God's love. It's abomination from the pit of hell. You're responsible. Start today. If you need some suggestions in regard to that, I can send you a couple links from um, uh, Chick Track. Also has a couple ministries you can you, that they send these uh, gospel tracks to missionaries. They put them into the prison systems. Um, you know, these are these are just some things to think about. Okay. I don't see anywhere in the Bible, in the New Testament, where it says you give 10% to your church so you can build that big church building and they can become a corporation and that they can do this and that they can do that. I'm sorry, you got to show me book, chapter, and verse on that. You really got to do that because I don't see it in there. I don't see where we're supposed to be building these big gigantic edifices. I don't see where Jesus did that. I don't see where any of the apostles did it. I see where the Roman Catholic Church sure did it, though. They're the ones that got us started on all that. Thinking we ought to have these big church edifices and things like this. What you're hearing right now is a home church. I don't want to be a part of any of that. I don't. I don't want to be a part of any of it. I'm afraid that I will be leavened. Because I've been in there and been left, and it will affect the way you think. It will. I don't care what you say. I am happier now than I've ever been in regard to the church, the, the church that we have, the church setting that we have in a home church. And you know what? That's kind of the way it was in Acts when Jesus was here. Do you know that the home church movement is the second largest church in America right now? Now, I'm not saying most of the home churches are probably whacked out too. Okay? But it is a trend, and you're going to see that more and more as these hate crime legislations kick into more and more effect when you're not allowed to, you know, preach against a homosexual or, or whatever, or even preach the Bible. So, going back to this article, it says, Animal sacrifices should be renewed on the Temple Mount. A member of the radical Sanhedrin organization told Ynet News, An ancient Israel... In ancient Israel, in Judea, the Sanhedrin served as the highest court in the land and it was made up of 71 top judges. Now a group of fringe rabbis said that we have reformed the group, reformed the group, although the organization has received no recognition from Israel's official religious authorities. Well, you know something? I'm sure I've seen a lot about them if they're getting no recognition. I sure have seen a whole lot. And I guarantee you, in order to do this thing with the temple, they're going to have the Sanhedrin back. Because the Sanhedrins are the ones that are obsessed with it. These guys are probably closet. They're I, 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 not even. I don't even know if they're closet, but guaranteed they're going by the Talmud and the Kabbalah, just like they say we go by the Torah. Well, they mix it with other things. They do just like the Mormons do. The Mormons have their three books: the Pearl of Great Price, um, the Book of Mormon, and the King James Bible. Did you know they use the King James Bible? in the Mormons. But you see, the thing is, a little leaven leaven at the whole lump. Even a King James Bible, you throw that leaven in there, gets all messed up. And typically, the other books have more weight than the Bible. Like the Talmud, 
and the Kabbalah, which is the highest form of Jewish mysticism, witchcraft, and the Talmud, which is all the rabbinical opinions about things, where they say all kind of blasphemous stuff about Jesus Christ, those books have more weight, really, than the Torah, much of the time. So anyway, in the Torah, there are around 200 commandments dealing with animal sacrifices. Said Rabbi Dov Steen. Maybe he's related to Joel Steen. I don't know. Anyway, of the Sanhedrin organization, the Torah of Israel demands animal sacrifices. When the people of Israel were in dysphoria, it couldn't be done. But now, there is a supreme institution, the Sanhedrin, made up of experts, and it can be done. The new Sanhedrin, like the old, will educate the people of Israel how to keep and safeguard the Torah. Stein vowed that we will try to carry out animal sacrifices on the Temple Mount this Passover as commanded by the Torah. Now, this would be the first time, probably since, what, like 70 A.D., that it had been done. I, I don't think they've ever done it any other time since then. You think about that. That's pretty significant. And see, I believe, I, personally, I believe that when that first sacrifice, that first animal sacrifice gets done, I think God's anger is going to go to a different level. I do. Because... They're, they're trying to crucify the Son of... Like the Bible talks about in Hebrews. Crucifying the Son of God afresh. You can't do that. You know, that's what the Catholics do every week when they go to Mass. They, have, they go in there and they have Jesus up on the cross. He's not on the cross anymore. they got this pitiful Jesus up on the cross because they want to keep re-crucifying Him. They want to keep re-crucifying Him because His blood atonement has to continually pay... Whatever well, they don't even believe that's what that's what atones for the sins. They believe the seven sacraments and these other things are really what atone for things. That what that's what gets you your 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 free pass into heaven. But see, through the doctrine, the false doctrine of transubstantiation, which is where the priests believe they have the power to actually change the wine and the communion host into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ, they have to have Jesus Christ on the cross all the time. They can't take him off it. Because through transubstantiation, this mystical thing that supposedly happens in this pure witchcraft, they believe that they have to have Jesus up on the cross. So, I just personally think that when that happens, you know, this strong delusion, God's, God's, you know, God's been, what he's been doing right now is he's had his protective hand over things and he's slowly, slowly, slowly pulling his hand back. And as it gets more and more wicked, I think he's pulling it back even further. Here's another article. This is from Ynet News. It's called the Sanhedrin's Peace Initiative. Iranian President... This is unbelievable, this thing. Iranian President Mahoud Ahmadinejad. And if I'm butchering these words, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm not that great at grammar. Anyway. Who has been gearing up for the Israel offensive in recent months is bound to be surprised by the peace feelers he is set to receive from Jerusalem soon. <laughs> this, is, this is asinine, this part. But it's true. Without Saudi mediation or diplomatic procedures, the president will get a love letter of love and peace. This is the president of Iran. This is the guy that's, that's with last week we were talking about, who's calling for the return of the Muhammad, the, the 12th Enam, the, uh, basically their Messiah. He was the one saying, okay, there's, it's only going to happen through a lot of bloodshed war. We're going to have to annihilate Israel. It's all over Iran, okay? They're, they're gearing up for this hardcore. Okay? But he's going to get a letter of love and peace, accompanied by a historic invitation to visit Jerusalem. They're going to invite the president of Iran to visit Jerusalem. 
They're out of their minds. This is from the Supreme Judicial Court of the Jewish people, better known as the Sanhedrin. Now, this is what we were just talking about. So I said, if this is a fringe group that's getting no recognition, they're sure in the news a lot. I mean, I had a whole... We had one of my, my um, sermons is entitled, you know, Temple's Trying to Reinstitute Temple... Or the rabbis are trying to reinstitute Temple Sacrifices. Actually, there's no temple yet, but Temple Mount. So after having tried their luck... Oh, that's a good word, luck. You know where luck, that word derives from? Lucifer. Luck. Lucifer. That's where it derives from. So that's why I try not to ever use that word. After trying their luck with the High Court of Justice and the government, the members of the Jewish group have set out on a new track in their struggle for the Temple Mount, aimed at rebuilding the Temple in the Jewish capital. In recent days, the group members have drafted a letter that will be translated into 70 languages and sent to all government institutions in the world, including the sons of Esau and Ishmael. Because, see, that's what the Arabs really are. They are the sons of Esau and Ishmael. They, they derive from those two people. So, these people who do not hold diplomatic ties with Israel. In the letter, the rabbis of the self-proclaimed Sanhedrin warn that the world is nearing a catastrophe and write that the only way to to bring peace among nations, states, and religions is by building a house of God where Jews will worship, pray, and offer up sacrifice according to the vision of the prophets. Oh, I'm really sure the Islamic people who go by the Quran, who want to kill every Jew, are going to really go for this. Oh yeah, hook, line, and sinker. I'm sure, no problem here. All's going to be forgiven, right? This is going to be more of an abomination to them. This is probably going to incite them more than anything else. It goes on to say the rabbis also called the non-Jews, called on non-Jews to help the people of Israel fulfill their destiny and build the temple in order to prevent bloodshed across the globe. Well, building that temple ain't going to prevent bloodshed. All it's going to do is bring more. Because that temple is an abomination. To rebuild. Now it would be one thing if they were going to rebuild it and they were all saved or whatever and they wanted to build it for the glory of God. That's not the case. That's not why they're wanting to build this thing. They're wanting to build it primarily to reinstitute the temple sacrifice. Okay? See, that's why I watch this one thing about the temple so closely because I think this a lot of stuff hinges. The temple mount issue alone could be the linchpin for everything else to happen with World War III. It could be the absolute linchpin. And we know it's going to be a focal point of, the, of, of Revelation. Okay? I mean, so much so that it, it's going to be the, the, the point where, at the midpoint of the tribulation, where, you know, Satan does this abomination of desolation, and then the great tribulation starts. Okay? So it's very important. So, it's, so then he goes on, Professor... Weiss of the Sanhedrin explained that the Torah and the prophets have tasked the Jewish people with the responsibility for world peace. So, he's saying that the, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and the prophets, previous, have tasked the Jewish people with the responsibility for world peace. So, it's all on their shoulders, guys. Apart from Jesus Christ, though, they think. Please. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And the only way we're ever going to have any kind of peace is when Jesus Christ rules this world with a rod of iron. Then we'll have world peace. That's it. Ain't going to happen. Thousand year millennium. Sorry. Ain't going to happen any other way. He stressed that the group's project was to rebuild the temple, not a church for the nations. Well, that's good. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he didn't say it's going to be a church for the nations. 
Okay, so going further, we're going to go right now into uh, the latest edition of Battle Cry from Chick Track Ministries. <clears throat> and I believe their website's chick.com. And the first article, and this relates to what we were just talking about, the Vatican has now announced that they say that Catholics and Muslims worship the same God. Now, I, have, I don't have a problem with that. They both worship devils. Sure. Yeah, they do. On May 6, 2001, Pope John Paul II visited the Great Mosque in Damascus. He removed his shoes and prayed before a statue that supposedly contains the head of John the Baptist. Oh, isn't that great? How holy and spiritual is that? Boy, but you know something now? That's a relic. You know how they're really obsessed with the old relics, you know? The bones and the ashes and the teeth and all the, all the stuff from the dead bodies. Now that's a relic, you know? So, yeah, this gesture to Muslims was an attempt by the ecumenical Pope to bring further unity of, of world religions. When, the, when that, okay, and then we go further, um, and this is talking about the, the um, I skipped a little bit here with um, the Catholicism, but this article goes on to say, when that failed, they came up with a new tactic. Subversion instead of conquest. In other words, this is how the Roman Catholics have attempted to infiltrate the political and religious systems of the world. When they tried purely to do it through conquering countries, it ended up not working out that great. It, it just, it wasn't, that was like a frontal assault. It would be better if they do it like Satan, who is the most subtle beast of the field, as the Bible talks about in Genesis 3. It's better to be subtle than to be a, just a frontal-on attack, okay? Because when something's subtle, you let your guard down. It may take a little bit longer, but it's a better effect overall, satanically. They, so what the Catholic Church did is they assembled the ecumenical council called the Vatican II and began an effort to bring all religions together. One document produced by the council even suggests that Muslims are saved. I didn't even know that. In section 16 of the Lunum Gentum Declaration of Dogmatic Constitution on the, on the Church, we read, quote, The plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the Creator. In the first place amongst these are the Mohammedans. The first place. The Creator? The Creator Moon God? Huh. Again, I didn't get the memo on that one. And then, this quote says, Who, professing to hold the faith of Abraham, give me a break, along with us, adore the one and merciful God. What a lie from the pit of hell. This sounds like a Masonic oath or something. You know? So, yeah, they the Catholics... Now, isn't it amazing that they'll give that kind of grace to a stinking Islamic... I want him to get saved, but... I can't stand the tenets of that religion. It's, it's the most hypocritic, satanic, mass religion I know of. And they, um, they give that kind of grace to a Muslim. But anybody else, no, they won't give that grace to them. No, 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 you've got to be a Catholic in order to be saved. You've got to do the seven sacraments. You've got to have all the stuff. You've got to pray to the idols. You've got to pray to all the saints. You've got to do all this, this junk. You know, take the mass. Act real religious. Oh boy, you get your bro cream religion. A little dabble do you every Sunday. Or now you can go to the Catholic churches on Saturdays too. They've got the special hours. I mean, their services are like a half hour. You know, you can in and out. You know? Burger King, have it your way religion. You know? So anyway, 
Then it, this article goes on to say, again in section 3 of the Nostri Atit Declaration, the church regards with esteem also the Muslims. They adore the one God, living and subsisting in himself, merciful and all-powerful, the creator of heaven and earth. That's what this is saying about the Muslims, the Catholics. Note, to find copies of the complete documents, key the names into the Google Internet search engine. Now again, you can go up on chick.com, download their most current newsletter, it's right on the front page, or, or go into it, and you'll find this article. You can get the exact words. The same Muslim document goes on to explain that Muslims do not acknowledge Jesus as God, but revere him as a prophet. See, this is why the Catholics and the Muslims will be an easy match. Real easy, because there's a lot of stuff in the Quran, all by design. It's man-made. Chick's got a whole whole study on the, that how the Catholic religion had a lot to do with the formation of the of Islam. And I had never heard that until I saw Chick's research on it, and it's very convincing. And you know, hey, it's just one more false apostate religion. You think God didn't have anything to do with it, had to come about some way. Well they, they give you, they lay the whole thing out, how the how the Islamic religion first got formed. And it's very interesting and it had everything to do with the Catholic Church. So this is almost like the chickens coming back home to get under the mother hen. You know, that's what we're seeing here. And now the Muslims are having all of these apparitions of Mary that they're seeing as well. Not only Catholics aren't the only ones that get that. Oh no, the Muslims are now seeing Mary. And it's going to be no big shake when the Antichrist comes on the scene and brings all this stuff together through, uh, and with the false prophet and all his ascended masters and devils that are working with him. So, this goes on to say... Um, they revere him as a prophet. They were talking about Jesus. And they also honor Mary, his virgin mother, at all times. They even call her with devotion. They even call on her with devotion. Wow, now that just confirms what I just said. They're calling on Mary? The Muslims? Yep, they sure are. In fact, Mary is mentioned several times in the Quran. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Sometimes confusing her with Miriam, Aaron's sister. Surah, chapter 19 of the Quran, names Mary and contains a very distorted account of the birth of Jesus. What do you expect? It's leavened. It's a double document. The rest of section 16 of the Lumen Gentium explains that somehow Christ's sacrifice covers everyone in the world who has a sincere heart for their Creator. It doesn't matter who it is, evidently. Whether they have not heard the gospel, whether they've heard it, doesn't matter. It clearly proves that Roman Catholicism is not is a works-based salvation. It states, it states, quote, Nor does divine providence deny that helps necessary for salvation to those who without blame on their part have not yet arrived at an explicit knowledge of God and with His grace strive to live a good life. Oh boy. Wow. But you know something? The Bible says that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags. And that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death? Well the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then it says the wages of sin is death. Huh. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says in 
Isaiah 64, 6, all of our, for we are all together as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags before God. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not of works. It's not of Catholic works or any works. It's the gift of God. You either freely receive it or you freely deny it. So in chapter 5 of the Islamic invasion, and they sell a lot of these books that expose this stuff, which are really good, and a lot of King James defense books. In chapter 5 of Islamic invasion, author Robert Moray draws a detailed comparison between Allah and the God of the Bible. The biblical concept of God is a knowable person, as a knowable person is foreign to Islam. This is much like deism. You don't really know your God. You're just like this peon in the periphery that's going to try to do whatever you can to please him, but you don't really know him. Okay? But you have to know Jesus Christ in order to get saved. In fact, that quote in the Bible that, that talks about, uh, many will send to me in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all these mighty things and, and haven't we cast out devils and done all these mighty works? And he'll say, depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity, I never knew you. Well, that implies they were never saved. They were never saved. Because if you truly get saved, there's going to be fruit, there's going to be evidence, you're going to know God. Okay? So, then he goes on to say, uh, let's see here, Allah... The Allah of the Quran is a distant, abstract, unknowable being. You can't know Him. Even to consider Him to be a spirit is blasphemous. The Quran denies the Trinity, presenting a God who is even free to contradict Himself if He so pleases. This is their God. The poor Muslim can never be sure if Allah will approve him for paradise, unless, of course, he dies while killing infidels. And again, we've said this now, we've confirmed this three three ways in this one study. He's saying it here. It's just a foregone conclusion. It's the only way they know they can get into paradise. It's their only get-out-of-jail-free card pass. Can you imagine, you know, these guys do all this and they, they, then they just plunge into hell? I mean, they've been lied to. This unpredictable, remote deity bears no resemblance to the gracious, loving God of the Bible. In fact, when they realized that they could have a personal relationship with God who actually loved them enough to die for their sins, many Muslims have endured the wrath of their families. Sometimes even lost their lives by converting. Praise God. God bless them. I mean, that, that is something I totally have respect for. And we haven't faced that in this country at all. Not to near the extent people in other countries have. In witnessing the Muslims, it is crucial to show them that we worship a predictable God who desires a loving, personal relationship void of the vengeful hatred preached by Allah's imams. These are like his priests, I guess. He's predictable. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. Okay, so that was that one. Uh, let's go back and we'll, we're going to go to another one of his... This is, a, this is always a really good... Um, newsletter. This and uh, Last Trumpet Ministries newsletter, I, I would say, are about the best out there as far as uh, um, Christian newsletter. The second one is entitled "The First Muslim in Cong- The First Muslim Congressman is Sworn in on a Quran." Did you know this happened? Yeah. The United States now has the first Muslim congressman, Democrat Keith Elson, from the. He doesn't sound like a Muslim. Keith Elson, huh? 
from the 5th Congressional District of Minnesota was sworn in January 4th. During his campaign, he played down his religious affiliation, but upon election, asked to be sworn in with his hand on the Quran rather than on the Bible. Yeah, go get him, Keith. I'm saying that tongue-in-cheek. Uh, this goes on to say, to find a way to deal with these pi- Let's see here. Hold on. Oh, okay. Um, he goes on to talk about Thomas Jefferson. And where Jefferson was actually studying the Quran. This is the Quran that he took his oath on was actually the one Jefferson had. It was his Quran, okay, Thomas Jefferson. So supposedly they're saying that, that Thomas Jefferson never really went along with anything in the Quran. Okay. Thomas Jefferson was into some evil stuff, okay? I'm sorry. He was. And virtually every single president we've ever had has been some level has been involved in some level with the occult. You do not get to that position in our government unless you've gotten the nod from your higher-ups. Okay? It doesn't happen. didn't happen back then. It's not happening especially now. Okay? All the way back to old George Washington, the Freemason, 33rd degree Freemason George Washington, okay? Who has a whole Masonic memorial to him outside of Washington, D.C. I mean, it's gigantic. If you have any doubts on that, please email me and I will get you the email on that with the pictures of his Masonic apron and all of his other Masonic regalia. Okay? Remember something. The Illuminati honors its own. George Washington's picture would not be on the $1 bill and on the quarter unless he was being honored by his own. Now what else is on the $1 bill? The truncated pyramid with the all-knowing eye of Lucifer and the 13 levels of the pyramid which says Novus Odum Secorum? Which means announcing the birth of the New World Order? With an eagle on the other side with 13 um, arrows and in, in, a, in a branch with 13... I mean, it goes on and on and on with that dollar bill. You can do a whole Bible... In fact, I've done whole Bible studies just on the dollar bill, how demonic it is. So, anyway, if you have any... Please email me, I'll get you that. So, supposedly, the only reason Jefferson had this Quran was he was finding, find, trying to find a way to deal with Islamic pirates. The U.S. had just won independence from Great Britain and had no significant navy to combat the pirates. Jefferson and John Adams were assigned as ambassadors to, to negotiate with the leader of the Barbary States. After meeting with one of their leaders, they reported back to Congress that Islam was founded on the laws of their prophet that is written in the Quran that all nations who should not have acknowledged their authority were sinners that it was their duty and right to make war upon them whenever they found them wherever they could be found and to make slaves of all of them to take as prisoners and that every Muslim should okay so this this tenet uh, upon which the Muslims were operating this article goes on to say we see that this approach has not changed over the centuries which was basically slay the infidel wherever you find them convert them to either slaves or, or convert them to our religion Okay, and if you convert them to slaves they still got to convert to their religion Okay, so that's it's still a deal the, the, the deal there we see that this approach has not changed over the centuries Islam's advance in Africa today follows these same rules Christians or non-Muslims who refuse to convert are either killed on the spot or taken as slaves. Hey, that's the way they do it. 
suicide bombers are promised immediate tickets to paradise. Now in our time, we are seeing a renewed advance of Islam committed to taking down the infidel civilizations of the West. Weapons of mass destruction are their new sword, but are the same but at the same time they are using a far more subtle and dangerous tactic, infiltration. It's exactly what the Catholic Church did. We just talked about that. What held back their first advance a few centuries ago? Basically, it was the growth of Christianity in the West. They knew that if they immigrated, they now this is very interesting, this next part here. They knew that if they immigrated, they and would be presented the truth that they that um they knew that the, the Islamic people, and if they immigrated to the West when Christianity was prevalent here, and if they were presented the truth that sets men free, that, that this truth that would set men free, the leaders knew that their beliefs in Islam were no match for biblical truth. Okay, they knew that. Any who were exposed to Western culture would be converted, blunting their attempt to conquer by infiltration. Say so they they identified this. They were smart enough to know, and this is why the Islamic races have let have led such um, cordoned off lives. I mean, they're like prison camps. Their whole their whole countries are like prison camps. Okay, it's very hard to get in or out. It's not easy. But this all changed in the last fifty years, thanks to our lukewarm church. Western governments have dis, has have legislated. Tolerance and liberal churches embrace diversity and are proudly now multicultural. Bible believers have backed off soul winning. As a result, Islamic leaders no longer see a threat to their people from the Christianity. They have encouraged immigration, but not assimilation. Wow, what an indictment on the church. Muslims are welcomed and allowed to build communities of their own, of their own without integrating into the rest of society. Thousands of mosques are now serving those communities throughout Europe and America. Western families have limited their population through abortion and contraception, while Muslim immigrants have large families providing a growing influence now large enough to elect government officials. You ever think about that? See, the, the Muslims, like the Catholics, are told, breed, breed, breed. Because what they do is, there's not a lot of people that would want to convert to Islam. I mean, look, well, yeah, I want to do that. Uh, I want to die for Allah. I want to strap a nail bomb on my back and get blown to bits. Sure, where do I sign up? You know, I mean, come on. There's not a lot of people that would want that. So, how do they get converts? Two primary ways. One, through fear and intimidation. Basically putting a knife to your throat saying convert or die. That's one way. The next way is having family. Having your kids. Growing them up. Brainwashing them from the earliest possible age. But see, even though that tactic doesn't seem that great, you can still grow a big religion that way. You know? So that's what they've done. So the Muslim immigrants have grown large families, providing a growing influence now large enough to elect government officials. Some of these communities are pushing to install Shara which is civil law based on the Quran for their people instead of our constitutional laws. Did you realize that? There's communities in this country that are pushing for Shara? Civil law based on the Quran? Can you imagine that? I despise what this country has become. I really do. Between the illegal aliens, the, 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 the Islam, all this diversity, it's just they're trying to strip every vestige of Christianity from this, from this country. 
And I, I despise what it's become. Because I view the churches as the biggest fault of this. Because the church is bigger now than it's ever been. Yet they have, they have no influence on sin at all. The sin just... just if, can you imagine if all these people were really right with God on the churches? Things would change in this country overnight. Overnight. Things would be way different. There would be a lot of problems tomorrow morning that they wouldn't have the next that we didn't have today because the, the Bible believing born again Christians with backbones would start standing up and there would be a gigantic problem which is what needs to happen but it's not happening and it's not going to happen unfortunately I don't believe it will there's no there's no indication in the Bible that that would happen but there is still the salt and light remnant out there. They're still the ones out there trying to warn and go and do what they can do. The night cometh when no man can work. I must work, work, work the work. I must... was that Bible verse go? I must um, work the works in the day because the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said that. The night's coming. And literally it could come very soon when it's going to be very hard to really do anything for Christ as far as, let's say going up and reaching a lot of people. Um, let's say going on, of course it's not happening anyway, on TV or whatever, you're just not getting the truth. Okay? I think if you were putting the truth out on mainstream media, they'd shut you down real quick anyway. So it is getting harder. But it's not going to be like it is, let's say when martial law kicks in. That's going to be a whole other level of hardness. So, the most recent terrorist attacks and uncovered plots involved largely homegrown terrorists. They are born radicalized in these local communities in our midst. And I'm telling you, they're all over in California, for sure. I've seen a documentary on it. They've got whole communities out there of Islamic people. And they're in their churches saying, we have to kill and slay the infidels, just like they were over in that quote I just read of that guy from Iran. They're saying it. Yeah. Oh, is there? Well, there's an Islamic community where we live, I guess. So... You know, they're coming. They, so, then it says, they feel safe. They're using our religious freedom to grow Islam inside our nations. They feel safe because the church has largely abandoned the Great Commission. No churches are allowed in Muslim-controlled countries because they know the power of the gospel. But they now feel safe to infiltrate the West because the churches are no longer a threat anymore. The West is becoming increasingly concerned with the clash of cultures. Islam believes that the West is so morally decadent that it must be purged by the sword to make way for their moral purity of Muslim law. Well, that we are. We, we are pathetic in this country. We really are. We do, we do deserve in this country to be that... Th we do. I mean, in God's... Eye, I look at us and it's like, oh, we, this country is so pathetic. Such an abomination in God's eyes. You know, and I don't, I'm not saying this meaning that I think I'm perfect without flaw or, or anything else, okay? Because the Bible says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged of God. Okay, so I judge myself first. But, man, it's just unbelievable. And the church is just backboneless as you can be, you know? Like an invertebrate. Anyway, Islam believes that the West is so morally decadent it has to be purged by the sword to make way for the moral purity of Muslim law. Give me a break. Their diagnosis is correct, but their cure is of Satan. And again, you know, I do agree their diagnosis is correct, but their cure is of Satan. The only cure is repentance and revival to sweep across the Western continents. If this does not happen, we are doomed. Well, 
Sorry, but that's it's not going to happen. The Bible predicts it's not going to happen. It's just not. I'm not saying there's not going to be potential pockets of it, things like this, that he's not going to protect the remnant. But I see no evidence in the Bible that it would. No political appeasement or military might can turn back this new Muslim invasion. Only mass conversion to our Savior can save us. Well, that's... Hey, listen, you got to purpose it in your heart, you know. Um, we're, you're, if you're born again Christian, you're saved. Okay? And that may be as good as it ever gets for you on this world. But you know something? If that's as good as it ever gets for you on this world and you have to endure a life of pain, you're still saved. You're still saved. You're still gonna. You're still gonna be in eternity forever. But the Bible says, you know, you need to faint not. The Bible says you need to, you need to endure to the end. It says those that endure to the end shall be saved. Now I'm not talking about works-based salvation. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit lives inside you. Okay, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you are gonna have what it takes to endure to the end. I believe the Holy Spirit is the only. I don't want to say thing because I don't want <laughs> the Holy Spirit is the only what, what, a, what would be a word there for this the only uh, part of the Godhead the Holy Spirit living inside you which comes inside you when you are saved it's the only way you're going you're gonna to be able to endure to the end through Him I can do all things through Christ which strengthen me greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world Okay, these are just Bible verses I'm quoting here so, going further with this, these are just a couple articles that you know, I've got into so far. Here's another article. Well, this was entitled, What Does Scripture Mean? Jesus frequently referred to the Scriptures as He taught the disciples and conversed with the Pharisees. He told His disciples that some of His actions were the, for the purpose of fulfilling the Scriptures. Other times He admonished the Pharisees that they did not know the Scriptures. In the book of Acts, the disciples reasoned with them out of the scriptures, searched the scriptures daily. Apollos was a mighty was mighty in the scriptures. Now that's a good thing to be known as. I want to meet Apollos when we get to heaven. Apollos was mighty in the scriptures. That's awesome. The apostle Paul also referred to the holy scriptures in this in his letter. There was obviously somebody some body of writings, scripture, that were held sacred by both Jesus and the apostles. <laughs> Gary Miller, in his five-lesson Bible study, called Why the King James Bible is the Perfect Word of God, points out that Matthew 22, 19-31, defines the word scripture. Quote, Jesus said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Have ye not read that which was spoken of to you by God? It's a good verse. So when the Bible refers to Scripture, it is something written that was spoken by God. Today, many churches' statements of faith use descriptive phrases such as, quote, written without error, inerrant, in the original manuscripts. Or they believe, quote, the Scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, to be inspired Word of God, without error in the original writings. Some state the belief that only the original autographs are without error. They no longer believe we have a perfect Bible. And this is very prevalent. Okay, Jesus and the apostles did not refer to the original manuscripts when quoting the scriptures. Miller points out you can find the word scripture in 53 verses of the Bible. Not one of them ever refers to the original. 
each is referring to copies. God called those copies Scripture. Jesus and his disciples all relied on the trust on the trustworthy copies. Okay, so sorry about that. Uh, so th- these were going by trustworthy copies. So the question becomes, which copies are trustworthy? We know that the copies that they used were what we call the Old Testament. And we also know what extreme care was used by the scribes who copied them. No one seriously questions the accuracy of the Old Testament copies. Not even Jesus or the apostles questioned them. Did this accepted accuracy happen without God's supervision is the question. It's not possible. So then, why do we question God's ability to supervise the copying of the New Testament? And if we agree he did, where are those copies that he watched over? Author David Daniels, possibly one of the most knowledgeable researchers on the Bible version issues, details two streams of copies throughout history. One stream can be traced from Jerusalem through Antioch, across Europe, to culminate in the King James Version. Daniels says that the evidence supporting the stream testifies a highly accurate copying and translating similar to the care of the Old Testament scribes. On the other stream, went from Jerusalem to Alexandria, Egypt, and the Bible, and, and God said, and just let me interject this, God said in, Ale- in regard to Egypt, in regard to counsel for the kings, that you should, you're not even supposed to go to Egypt to get a horse, much less the word of God. Okay? So, in the great Alexandrian li- library, you know, that they, that they talk about in Egypt, so the other stream went from Jerusalem to Alexandria, Egypt, and was polluted with human philosophy and produced copies that have hundreds of discrepancies. Unfortunately, all of the modern versions stem from these polluted copies. Only the KJV comes from the faithful copies and translations on the other streams. Now let me just elaborate just a tiny bit. Out of the Alexandrian copies came two copies called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticanus copies. The Vaticanus was actually found in the Vatican in the 1800s, and the Sinaiticus was found in a trash can at the base of Mount Sinai, also in the 1800s. That's why they called the Sinaiticus, because it was found in a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. They call it the other one, the Vaticanus, because it was found in the Vatican. Roman Catholic Vatican. Okay? The Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus were then translated, or used as the translation material to make the revised version. Should be called the reviled version, okay, of 1881. Westcott and Hort, two high-level occultists that had Charles Darwin as their buddy, that had a club called the, she- uh, called the uh, Club of Hermes, Hermes being the god of death. Okay, they, they got around, they did necromancy, they were involved in all kind of cult. None of them were, were saved. They despised Jesus. Christ-hating guys, translating two corrupt Catholic manuscripts, the Sinaiticanus and the Vaticanus, into the revised version of 1881, which basically spawned virtually all the other versions we have today. All came from that revised version. But say, they can all be copywritten, so they can make more money, whereas the King James Bible is not copywritten. That's why you'll find the King James Bible in dime stores where you can get it for a dollar. Because there's no copyright on it. There's no kickbacks. See how God does things? So it's, I know, it's, it's really, it's that simple. It's that simple. One other thing. The Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus contradicted each other so much when they were doing this translation. Westcott and Hort, the two occultists, the two, two uh, occultists, 
they contradicted each other so much that they finally said, listen, we're just going to, whenever they contradict, we're just going to go with what the Vaticanus says. Probably because they viewed the Vatican as being higher than the Mount Sinai. I don't know. So they just said that's, that's, that was their methodology of how they translated a Bible. And if you've done an NIV or an American Standard Version or any of these new versions, the Message Bible, know this. They all spawned from the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus that you can trace their lineage all the way back to Alexandria, Egypt. Okay? They all spawned from that revised version of 1881. You'd be better off burning it. So, um, going further into this, the other streams went from Jerusalem to Alexandria, was polluted with human philosophy, produced copies that have hundreds of discrepancies. Fortunately, all the modern versions stem from the polluted copies. Only the KJV, the King James Bible, comes from the faithful copies and translations in the other stream. Details of these two manuscript sources can be found in Daniel's book, Did the Catholic Church Give Us the Bible? Don't be fooled. Not Nobody has access to the originals. Even Jesus did not have them. What we, I mean, Jesus has them in heaven, maybe, but he don't got them. He didn't have them here when he was walking around on earth. Okay. We have what we have is a choice between two kinds of copies: the preserved words of God or perverted words of men. Which one do you think God would want you to choose? Well, the Bible says, "Forever, O Lord, Thou settle Thy word in heaven." Okay, he settled his word in heaven. If, he, if the word in heaven doesn't match the word you are reading, your Bible, then there's a problem. And I guarantee you something. God doesn't release a new version every time we release a new version here on earth. God doesn't have the NIV, the American Standard, and all the other abominations up in heaven saying, Oh, well, I'm going to acknowledge this one too because they copyrighted it through their wicked translation committees. No, he's got forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word. Okay, it's not multiple translations here. And the word is our foundation. And if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So it's very, very important what scripture you're reading. Here's one of the last articles. Toy stores pushing voodoo. With the rise of the occult groups comes a general increase in experimentation with satanic things. Toys R Us is now selling a collection of voodoo dolls. Their website markets four of them to choose from. Yuzakwi, Baka, Kinas, and Ezekli. They are described as, quote, horrifying yet irresistibly plush voodoo dolls. Complete with everything you will need to practice voodoo. Create spells and summon spirits. End of quote. No lie, this is how they're promoting them. Each comes with, a, with an, an accessory bag containing trinkets, binding twine, chicken feet, mojo bones, and... <laughs> so, I can't hardly read this. Mojo bone, mojo bones, and a spell book and pins. Because you know, you know, they, they put the pins in the dolls. You know something? This is witchcraft of the highest magnitude here that they're teaching kids. And this stuff, this stuff is not stuff you want to mess around with. Voodoo is one of the highest forms of witchcraft. But there, Satan, true to form, if he can do it, he'll do it. Started with Harry Potter. Now we got voodoo witch dolls at Toys R Us. I would say don't even go to Toys R Us. Don't even, don't even sponsor them or give them a dime for this stuff. Most of the toys are corrupt anyway. Most of them... I mean, if you, all you got to do is look at the toy. Could this be used for God's glory? Is this a God or is it not? You know, I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's some toys that aren't halfway neutral or whatever, but most of them are clearly satanic. And they're becoming more satanic. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, Furbies. Well, Taylor, I, I can't really get into that right now, though. Furbies are very satanic, just put it that way. And we've kind of touched on Furbies before, but they're very satanic. Please do not get them. The Voodoos, it's, the brand is called the Voodoos. That's the brand. Their brand joins other occult items that Toys R Us has carried for a long time. Toys R Us has Ouija boards, which is a good way to get demon-possessed. Talk to the dead. Do a lot of things the Bible totally forbids you to do. You know, if you ever watch any of these paranormal programs, many times, if they're having any kind of problems in the house or with a person, when it really, really gets bad is when they use a Ouija board. Because that's when you really open the door to the devils to influence you and to come into your dimension. Don't mess with Ouija boards, okay? Even people involved in the occult many times do not mess with Ouija boards because they know better. They know they're going to get lied to because you're dealing with devils. You're not dealing with dearly departed Aunt Jenny, okay? You're dealing with a stinking devil, maybe a familiar spirit of Aunt Je Jenny, that's supposing as Aunt Jenny, but you're not dealing with Aunt Jenny. This also includes, they sell D&D, which is Dungeons and Dragons, which is like a demonic role-playing game, and violent video games laced with devil themes. The Voodoo's dolls are produced by Mezco Toys, who specialize in the macabre. A visit to their website finds Hellboy comics, also sold by Toys R Us, and Living Dead, and Edward Scissorhand dolls. Satan is making a major play for our children in this culture war against our things, all things that are decent and biblical. We must arm young people with a thorough knowledge of biblical truth so they will recognize and resist the wiles of Satan. Parents who feed their growing youngsters the strong biblical message in chick literature tell us that it helped them become stalwart believers when they grew up. See, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. And that's a direct Bible quote. Okay, So you train up your child in the way they'll go, and when they're old, they'll not depart. Don't start when they're 14. It's too late. It's too late. You've already lost them, most likely. Unless God intervenes in a mighty, mighty way. And discipline your kids, too, because the Bible says, if you don't discipline your kids, it's like saying you hate them. Okay? Spare, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. So, there's a lot of verses in Proverbs that go into the fact where spanking your child and these types of things is a biblical thing when it's called for in a biblical standpoint. Okay? I had to spank my little girl last night, so it happens. But, you know something? It's all good for them. Now, granted, you don't do it in anger, you don't do it because you're mean or whatever. You do it because you do love them. Okay? Just like God has to spank us. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. Chasteneth, chastening means like getting spanked. See, he loves us. And he proves that by chastening us. Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And, and if you be without chastisement, then you are bastards. Now, a bastard is an illegitimate son. That's a direct quote from the New Testament. So, these are things that we should be doing with our kids from a biblical standpoint. So, uh, going on, most of the tracks are written in simple terms. And these are the chick tracks. They're wonderful to give your kids, chick tracks. Um, they're written, written in simple terms that the early child can understand. These are supported later by full-size books such as How to Be a Successful Teenager and Stairway to Hell by Rick Jones. We must inoculate our youngsters against Satan's barrage. Parents will find that chick publications literature is a real help for their own kids as well as those in the neighborhood. Kids love those tracks. I'm telling you, I've been involved in this track ministry for a long time. And it is a tremendous way to, like he said, it's like getting inoculated. You're, it's almost like you're stemming 
the tide. You're, you're putting that truth in them where they can they, where they can realize this is evil. This is not. Now, granted, primarily it's going to have to come from the Word of God, but there is a lot of Scripture in the tracks to get them there. And uh, again, it's a lot of times a springboard to get them further. The last thing I wanted to read you was just his parting remarks. And this is a message from Jack Chick. Dear ones in Christ, this morning I was reading Jeremiah 51.7, how Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. Has anything changed? Where are the leaders? Where is anyone who can solve the incredible wave of insanity coming? The people are consumed with entertainment, sports, politics, and are blind to see God's judgment on the horizon. Before World War II, people were as complacent as they were now. What are we doing as believers? That is the main question. What did our Lord Jesus command us to do? It was to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It was not to build gigantic churches, putting millions into concrete. Have we lost our minds? Africa will go Islamic. Who cares? We're going Islamic here. The Lord Jesus cares. Our missionaries are out there living in a dangerous situation, are lucky to have some church send them 25 bucks a month. Then they have to shut down their work and come back to the States to beg for more funds because some church dropped them. This is madness. Uh, uh, plus they're building the bigger building. They got all their programs. They got to they got to entertain, you know. Hey, we got to we got to be hip. We got to be, you know, worldly. Our focus must be on the gospel and to try to touch a dying world. Beloved, the next two wars will take half the world's population. Beloved, the next two wars will take half the world's populations. As sure as day follows night, World War III is coming. It's exactly what we just said. Islam is sweeping through the black communities in the United States, working through our prison systems. That's another thing I forgot to mention. It's huge in the prison systems. They've got a gigantic recruitment. Who else would you want to recruit in Islam but guys like in prison that don't have any scruples or morals anyway, ungodly as you could get? Praise God, I do want them to get saved. I'm not saying they can't get saved, but I'm saying, you know, you're dealing with the, with, uh, the worst of society here, and what a tremendous recruitment tool. We at Chick Publications are working as hard as we can to produce gospel tracts to counter this. We must not play church, but be soldiers for Christ. And like the Bible says in Jude, earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. That's what we're supposed to be doing. If the Muslims can be fanatical for Allah, what about us? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We just quoted that. Got the picture? Let's get out more tracts in 2007 than we have ever done before. God's judgment on this world is being delayed waiting for us to win a few more souls into the kingdom. Well, blindness in part has happened to the Jew, to the fullness of the Gentile come in. I believe that fullness is near. And then he says, your brother in Christ, Jack Chick. And uh, he has a picture at the end here, Mary with her Egyptian sun disc overhead and her flaming immaculate heart with a Pope on one side and a Muslim on the other with a gun on his back. And she's saying, these are my boys. And, and that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that you've given us. Lord God in heaven, all your mercy and goodness that you've bestowed upon us. We praise you, Lord God, for everything that you've done. And Lord God, I do thank you most of all for our salvation. I praise you, Lord God, for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. For saving our souls. And I do pray, God, for these unsaved that we've even mentioned this day. And I do pray to God you save their souls, Father God, for it's your will that not one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
I pray to God if you have to hang them over hell, whatever it takes, Lord God, to get them saved, to get them to repent. You said in your word, Lord God, godly sorrow leadeth to repentance. And you also said goodness leadeth to repentance. But Lord God, I got a, I got a feeling it's going to be the godly sorrow, which is, what gonna, which is what's going to get people saved. I pray to God for your intervention this day, Lord God, as, as you said in your word, that all men would see and fear and declare the work of God as they would wisely consider of your doing. The righteous would be glad and rejoice and all the upright in heart would glory. You said that in Psalm 64, Lord God. I do pray to God that that happen. That your name be glorified, that many be saved. That you would forgive us for any and all sins that we have committed in any way, shape, and form. You would cleanse us of presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. That the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. That we would put on the full armor of God every day, Lord God. And be prepared to go into the battle, putting, putting on the mind of Christ as well, Lord God. That you would use us mightily for your glory. That we would understand our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these devils, these rulers of wickedness in high places, these fallen angels. And that, Lord God, the fear of God would be upon this sin-sick nation, upon this world. That you would shut down every abortion clinic worldwide, Lord God. That you would deal, Lord God, a blow to the sodomite movement. To all these wicked factions of our, of our government and, and to world government, Lord God. To, to all these false religions, Lord God, that we've talked about today. That you would intervene. But I also realize, Lord God, you said that you will send strong delusion that they will believe a lie. So, Lord God, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. As Jesus would say, said to you, I pray, God, your will be done. We love you, Lord God. We praise you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.